Good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. Griffin's here. Charles is here. It's tag day. Everybody's losing their minds. We will monitor. I don't know if it's going to happen. I guess if you listen to Ozzy Newsom uh, talking to his old friend Bernie Kosar yesterday, the Ravens will probably wait till about 3.30 to do something today. But then if you listen to everybody else, the Ravens are done. Yeah. It's, I'm so... I say I'm sick of it. I am. I've been sick of it. But this is what we got. This is what we're going to do. Coming up on the program today. By the way, today's show brought to you by Birdland Sports. For Birds fans. By Birds fans. Really cool t-shirt. My man Conan just messaged me last night because his The Birds Are Coming shirt has arrived that he ordered. I love that shirt. I can't wait to wear it on opening day. It's my favorite thing now. Of course, channeling uh, Omar with the Oriole bird. And they've got all sorts of great other wire-themed like bird shirts, like the birds and the wire lettering that you see right there. Player-themed shirts like Gunner and like the Mountain. And there's a Vespi on a Vespa shirt that's awesome. They're all available right now, birdlandsports.com. Plenty of time. You order it, you're going to have it way before opening day. Still, still lots of time to get your orders in at birdlandsports.com. Coming up on the program, our friend Cordell Woodland from 105.7 The Fan will check in with us. We'll get his thoughts here on Tag Day. We will do some other things. We'll take a brief respite, our regular Tuesday conversation with Patrick Stevens. Heartbreak for Towson last night. They battle back, but ultimately fall short against Charleston. So their season, I, I say it's over. They might play in one of the other tournaments. It won't be the NIT, but they could play in one of the pay-for-play tournaments, I guess. I don't know. I will see. Um, but, yeah, their hopes of reaching the NCAA tournament dashed last night. And by the way, uh, Griffin could use – he put he unloaded the clip on Hofstra. I, I did. I really you, did. He told you. He was all over it. Nailed it, by the way. I had like Nailed, a blue, I had like a little uh, token. It's not really. There's no chance that game will go long. I mean, Hofstra is gonna whoop their asses. Yeah. How'd that go? It went bad. Yeah. I had a little. Yeah. I had a little boost token yeah. on my Fanduel. I threw it on Hofstra. Yeah. And I was. And yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. UNCW is gonna get killed Charleston by Charleston and Wilmington I'm telling you that tonight. right now. You told me that they were gonna lose last night, Griffin. <laughs> what What does that do for us? I can Nothing. See where he was. Hofstra doubled William. Yes, and I'm aware. Yeah, yes, yeah. we we he was wrong. We'll do that. We'll talk to Patrick Stevens. I was right. Jake Cave revenge game against the Orioles. Ah, huge! That was massive. Just like Tyler Nevin. You got a lot of uh, bets in on that, right? No, I didn't. Well, <laughs> that one uh, I didn't. Then you got nothing going for you, so you got that. Uh, also, uh, yes, we will talk about the Terps as they get ready. The last hopes for an area team getting in would be obviously Maryland's going to get in. But um, Morgan and Coppin in the MEAC tournament, they both play on Thursday, and then Mount St. Mary's starts in the MAC tournament tonight. But that is a long... I mean, all they of those win are long shots. Four. Yeah. So we'll talk to Patrick about that. Also later on this morning, our friend Vernon Davis, the uh, Maryland football legend, he's now an actor extraordinaire. Uh, apparently has been on a bunch of movies recently, and one of which he wants to talk to us about today, but we'll also talk to him about Lamar, and we'll talk to him about some other things. Vernon Davis scheduled to join us later on in the program. Um, look, man, I, we're going to keep talking about it throughout the course of the morning, and it's what it is. The only thing I'm bothered by, I'll maybe respond to something. Our friend John Little Rock messaged me this morning. My take on the Lamar Jackson situation is that the organization is done with him. 
And Lamar is done with them. Both sides are over it, and now it's about dealing him and getting the most value for him. They are starting over. If you read Matthew Barry, who, of course, is a fantasy guru, but Matthew Barry was out at the Combine, and he writes for NBC now, and for whatever reason, Matthew Barry, despite the fact that he's not really a reporter, decided to share things that he heard. Now, for what it's worth, I will tell you that there is no better place in football reporting to just overhear things than at the Combine. The number of things I have just overheard over the years or were casually dropped to me in conversation. In fact, I used to say the Combine was the, the most likely place for me to get any actual tangible information from anyone within the Ravens organization. Sometimes even on the record. Like, there's just something about the atmosphere out there. Everybody goes out and drinks at night and has big old steaks and things like that. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it tends to loosen people up a little bit. And the years that I covered the Combine, it was the most fruitful place for me to get information. The Combine part of it is nonsense. It's awful and not helpful and, you know, makes people lose their minds. But the reporting part of it was tangibly helpful for me. So Matthew Barry shares a whole thing about Dan Snyder. Then he leans in. Just just bear with me. Watch where this goes. Snyder's thought process is also weirdly tied to Lamar Jackson. But before we get there, let's talk about what the Ravens will do with Lamar. There are many, many theories and reports out there, but my friend and colleague Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, put this out there during Super Bowl week, and I've since seen a lot of others much later echo this, that the most likely scenario is that the Ravens use the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. The idea is very simple. Lamar doesn't have an agent, and the two sides have had a lot of trouble coming to anything close to an agreement. So the thinking is that the Ravens say, hey, okay, Lamar, we'll head to the sideline, and we'll let you and some other team figure out a deal. And then once that deal is figured out, the Ravens have a chance to either match it, great, finally a deal Lamar has agreed to, or they get two first-round picks. And this is where Dan Snyder and his mindset come into play. Florio has mentioned a few times on his radio TV show that the idea that one team that could sign him would be the Commanders. Lamar wants a fully guaranteed deal similar to Deshaun Watson's, a crazy deal that happened because, well, the Browns were desperate, and it was the only way they could get Watson. But no other quarterback has that kind of deal. Not Josh Allen, who was drafted in the same class. Not Patrick Mahomes. Only Watson has a fully guaranteed contract. That fully guaranteed deal with Watson secretly drove a lot of other NFL teams crazy. There's nothing secretive about it. I don't know why he would say it secretly drove NFL teams crazy. That's a very weird sentence for Matthew Barry to write. It's absolutely not secretive in any way, as you might imagine. So what if, on his way out, Dan Snyder gave Lamar Jackson what he wants, a fully guaranteed six-year deal, a deal he won't have to pay off because he'll be gone? As Florio said, this will be the ultimate middle finger in the eye of the power structure if Snyder does it. Also, delivering Jackson would certainly help Snyder salvage his legacy. No. Yeah, no. there's no salvaging. That would no. be... Now, hang on a second. Okay. Let me finish. <laughs> It's a perfect win-win. Snyder what? sticks it to the rest of the league by resetting the quarterback market in an insane way and also delivers a franchise quarterback to Washington that, that he will have nothing to do with. Anyway, that doesn't, doesn't mean he won't do it, for the record. But the notion that it, like somehow that's beneficial to him, stop. People may dismiss the idea because Florio's idea was later used to prank the pardon my take guys as PFT commenter is a well-known Commanders fan and it went viral. But I'm told there is some actual smoke to that fire. This one was the one. 
One last nugget on Lamar Jackson. One source said, quote, I think the Ravens are secretly really annoyed with Lamar and not just the contract stuff. There's other stuff, including all the missed time. Don't rule out a sign and trade, unquote. So that got a lot of play last night. The Ravens just might be done with Lamar. The problem is it's not congruent with their actions. What's the other thing that everybody's talking about in the last 24 hours? That Eric DaCosta flew down to Miami, but is having trouble even talking to Lamar. Isn't getting much in the way of response from Lamar. You can't make all of these things jive. For what it's worth, I don't know. Matthew Barry's source could be anyone, and I mean this with all due respect, because a lot of us are the same way. Your sources could be someone who works for the Carolina Panthers, it's like, hey, man, I'm just, you know, something I heard. If the Ravens are just done with Lamar, if the Ravens think Lamar held out on them at the end of the season and he's not going to be their quarterback, why in the flying F would Eric DaCosta be flying down to Miami today? Or yesterday, whenever it was? I mean, that's a, an elaborate game to be playing. I mean, like the scenario where you're trying to create in your mind, well, maybe maybe he just wants people to think that they still want Lamar Jackson, so he's making it seem like... It's a very elaborate game. It's not congruent. Now, if Eric DaCosta is flying down to Miami and Lamar Jackson's like, all right, dude, enjoy the stone crabs and not willing to meet with him, that's a different conversation. But it also could be quite simplistic. If Lamar Jackson has made it clear, talk to me when the number is this... And Eric DaCosta is still like, hey, well, we can't get that number. Can you talk to us about our numbers? Then Lamar Jackson would have every right to say, no. No, dude, I'm not wasting my time. You know what the number is. Talk to me. The Ravens, of course, still want to negotiate. As I've said all along, they want these things to matter. The Ravens have always wanted it to matter because it helps them in negotiating that Lamar missed some games. They always wanted that to be something that matters. Who wouldn't? You want to have any leverage you can have. But if Lamar Jackson has made it abundantly clear, dude, you know the number. I'll talk to you about that number and nothing else. Then what would be the point to him of getting together with Eric DaCosta if Eric DaCosta is coming down there with a different number? I still don't know how this is going to play out, but I certainly understand the way that John and others feel that at some point it just don't feel like this ends with Lamar Jackson as a Baltimore Raven. The momentum ain't there. But there's still many layers to it. There's the idea that if they put the non-exclusive tag on him and allow him to walk for two first-round picks, that's shameful. There's still the part where you have to have a quarterback next season. Which, again, I get. They can make a trade with the Falcons and get a top pick, and they can use that player. Obviously, the stopgap quarterbacks are now fully coming off the market. Not only is Derek Carr gone, but Geno Smith is now off the market as well as he goes back to Seattle. Your list is down to Jimmy Garoppolo, which would make one person in this city happy. Because Griffin is, for whatever reason, some well, obsessed. Well, what would make me most fan. happy is Lamar, but it's bizarre. It's looking like the Raiders are gonna tie Garoppolo up. 
within the next day. And that could that could yeah. absolutely happen as well. Your stopgap quarterback options are coming off the table. Which again, I'm fine with because I don't want it to be a stopgap quarterback. I think that's insane for you to play a stopgap quarterback. If if you had made the decision already, if that part of Matthew Barry's report I'm in a weird place with Matthew Barry. Again, he's not really a reporter. That's the tough part about me saying I don't want to discredit Matthew Barry, but this isn't Adam Schefter saying something. The difficult part about Matthew Barry's report is that if the Ravens had decided they were moving on from Lamar Jackson already, it would behoove them to have made that deal. I saw a couple of people bring up last night, well, remember... They had agreed to a Marquise Brown deal way in advance of the NFL draft last year, but held it all the way to the draft to try to play poker about the fact that they needed a wide receiver, which worked out swimmingly, of course, when they landed Demarcus Robinson. Not any wide receivers. <laughs> so playing poker really worked out well for them. Is that, tr- that, is that true? Yeah, they'd worked out that deal well in okay. advance. And it was because they wanted to play poker to get a receiver. I mean, they've never said that directly, but that was our understanding of why they worked it out. They didn't want anyone to know going into the draft. They wanted to keep it as close to the vest as possible that they wanted a wide receiver. And then they didn't land a wide receiver. So is there some like world where they've already worked out a deal with the Falcons, but they're just going to keep waiting until the draft in order to announce it so that they can try to protect from other teams that they're in the quarterback market? Remember, they didn't want teams to know they were in the Lamar Jackson market. Remember the lengths they went to go to pretend like they weren't in on Lamar Jackson. They, like, flew him in under the cover of night to the building so that no one would know that they had brought in Lamar Jackson for a visit. It's it's not impossible that they're just playing... That they're so paranoid about these things. But I don't know how it helps them either. Like, I... I, I am... Unless they think there's a quarterback... that The Lamar Jackson thing kind of made sense. They thought they could get Lamar Jackson the back end of the first round. They they wanted to keep in trade conversations, let's keep it quiet that we're working on Lamar Jackson. Let's make sure that we put ourselves in the most advantageous position. I have no idea who you think you'd be getting at the back end of the first round that would be your quarterback answer for next season. Could it help them if they are thinking about Hendon Hooker at some point during the draft? I I guess. But if they're looking for an answer at quarterback, they're going to need to do that early in the draft. So I would have kind of already made the move, and I would have done it as quickly as possible. Before We've already had two teams address their quarterback position. So that's two teams that are off the market. Now maybe the... Saints and the Seahawks were never going to be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe they never would have been interested. But if you had made the decision that you were moving on from Lamar Jackson, you should have gotten this deal done before anyone filled their quarterback vacancy. Is there a disconnect between Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens? Abundantly clear that there is. Is there a number that can solve that problem? Well, it seems like Lamar is kind of suggesting that there would be. The Ravens don't appear interested in meeting that number. That's their business. That's their right. But somebody's got to be their quarterback. You can keep telling me all you want about 
well, you might have you know, fifteen million dollars more of cap space or whatever it is that you think it's going to be. If it's the difference between Lamar Jackson at fifty million dollars and a rookie quarterback, it's significantly more than that. That's great. To do what with? How does it help you to have Alan Lazard on your football team this season if Alan Lazard is having footballs thrown to him by Tyler Huntley? Hey. Yeah, you know, that's your no guy. Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl Tyler Huntley. As big of a day for him as Lamar. Who? Ty Huntley. What do you mean? Okay. Today? Yeah. You th- his big, future, big, big his future is hanging future. in the balance. For God's sakes. <laughs> It's a Pro Bowl quarterback That's, right there. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> a keep Pro do, Bowl keep quarterback. Keep playing this game. Keep playing this game. <laughs> got a lot of weird bits going on. This guy's in on Jimmy Garoppolo. You're in love with Tyler Huntley. What the hell is happening around here? As far as stopgap Any of you watch football? Anything to make the Lamar Jackson conversation have, more entertaining. Have any of you seen the quarterbacks that win in football? Oh. Jimmy Garoppolo's I know you went to the D.C. Defenders game. Yeah. <laughs> In the NFL, you have to have quarterbacks. Hey, you guys can call uh, Jordan Tamu up. Yeah, I'm going to pass. Ooh, he had no, a great no. game. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm I'm good here. I, again, I can't. I don't have the answers. I just know that these two things don't work together. It doesn't work together, the idea that the Ravens have already decided they're moving on from Lamar Jackson, and also they're allowing other teams to fill their quarterback needs, taking more teams off the quarterback market, and flying down to Miami to keep negotiating with Lamar Jackson, which doesn't mean they're going to get something worked out. It doesn't mean that. But those two things can't work together. You can't make those two things work together. It might very well be that at some point they keep trying and they ultimately say, well, the hell with this, we're done. But what is the point of continuing to try if you've already made your decision, we don't trust him. We're done with him. Just be done with it then. Make the trade. The non-exclusive franchise tag doesn't help you because it limits what you can do in return for Lamar Jackson if you've already made that decision that you're moving on. But again, if you haven't, and if you're just saying, come hell or high water, we'll match any deal. Right. Then Any deal at all. Again, that, yeah. what you would have to lose in order to make that deal work, potentially, is insane. I mean, it, it's really nuts to think about what somebody could do to structure the first or the first and second years of a deal elsewhere that would then lead you to have to losing everything just to meet that structure of a contract. For what it's worth... Lamar doesn't have to agree to that deal. It could very well be that they've come to an agreement. Hey, dude, go out, get somebody else to offer it to you, bring it back to us. We can't structure it exactly the same way. We have to structure it a little bit differently. But if you get a fully guaranteed deal for five years, come back. We'll make sure you get your five-year fully guaranteed deal. But if there's no faith between the two parties, what would that be? Fun! We're all having fun here. What a fun time it is to be doing this. I'm not kidding. I really don't. I, I don't. I don't want to be here. Like, and I, and I mean that. Like, I get it. It's, it's either this or I have to work for a living, and I don't have any skills, so it's, it's this. Like, this is my only choice. But this is, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. What else is exhausting is the thought of, you know, poor quarterback play a season from now. That's exhausting. 
Today's show brought to you by, or just a reminder, the gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit. Stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. We continue to monitor throughout the day. Um, the most likely scenario, again, will be that the um, you know something happens after our show is over today. That's the most likely scenario. By the way, John wants me to follow up and say, I want to set the record straight. I'm not in favor of the Ravens and the way they're handling things. I want them to pay more than Watson and guaranteed. I, this, John, I'm not, I, I think a lot of people are feeling the same emotions you're feeling of just sort of being done with it at this point. Just, it, It's exhausting when your emotions are this tied up into something. I, I guess the first thing I would say is they don't have to be. You can move on with your, you can do other things. Go see Creed. Go see Creed and Cocaine Bear if you need like six hours of your day cut out. There are other things you can do to avoid being... And I'm not talking to you, John. I'm talking to everybody else. That can get you uh, distracted and maybe ease your emotions. Marlon Humphrey has tweeted, it's a great day to be alive. That's all I got right now. Thanks, buddy. Charles is all over it. He's going to keep us... Prince Charles will keep us updated on anything going on today. Our friend Cordell Woodland, 105.7 The Fan, with us now here on GCR. Cordell, what's going on, pal? How are you? What's up, Glenn? Yeah. Fun day. Really, really fun day, man. This is the type of day that you dream of when you get into this business, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Um, I'm exhausted like everybody else is about everything, but here's like my issue. I feel like there has been in the last 24 hours a move to from the like a feeling among, amongst the fan base of a fait accompli. Like, it's just over. It's not going to happen. You know, Lamar's not engaging with Eric DaCosta. Matthew Barry is reporting that there's a trust issue between the teams. Like, there's all this sort of stuff. I'm not buying into any of that until I see it happen. I, I don't mean that it, it won't end up being that the Ravens move on from Lamar Jackson. But it's really weird that if they've decided they moved on, that they even send Eric DaCosta down to Miami to negotiate, right? Like, why would you do that if you've decided that you moved on from him? And why would you let other teams already fill their quarterback needs? Why would you take anybody off the market if you've determined ahead of time that you're definitely moving on from him? Why wouldn't you have gone ahead and tried to make the trade when, you know, the the, the Saints still needed a quarterback and the Seahawks still needed a quarterback? Yeah, I'm, I'm still not 100% sold that they are ready to see what life is like without Lamar. Um, I've maintained the fact that I believe that the Ravens Still want Lamar to be their quarterback for the future. Um, Eric DaCosta mentioned it at the combine. And look, I'm not going to sit here and act like you can take everything these guys say is law, especially this time of year. It's lion season. So I'm not sitting here believing every word that comes out of their mouth. But I, I like to look for consistencies um, just in over the years that they have talked about this Lamar situation. And he has remained hopeful. He has remained optimistic. He has maintained the fact that they want to keep Lamar. He has talked about how he knows how tough it is to win in this league without a premier type of player at the quarterback position. This, the Ravens are in a position that every franchise wants to be in. You draft a guy, and he pe- turns out to win an MVP. He turns out to be the type of player that you want. He's the face of your franchise. This is what you draft quarterbacks to be. And now you're at that fatal day where you have to decide, are you going to pay to play or are you going to move on? And I, I think it's a tough pill for the Ravens to swallow. I look at them, uh, Eric DaCosta going to Miami to talk to Lamar face-to-face. is kind of like, you know, that, that Hail Mary. You know, let's see if we can get something done because 
especially in the off season, they've had to do any type of conversations regarding a contract. I would imagine it's over the phone. So it's totally different having a conversation over the phone versus face to face. You could probably get a little further in a face to face conversation. Um, so I, I felt like that was them trying to yet again swing for the fences, see if they could get something to happen in the 11th hour. Doesn't look like that's going to happen right now. And I think ultimately they will be faced with a decision on, are you going to continue to have your offseason handcuffed by Lamar, or are you just going to end up being the one to, to say, you know what, enough is enough, and they're going to end up ending the relationship. It's not an easy decision to make at all because this is a – shifting decision for the future of this franchise. So it's an interesting position to be in for a couple of reasons, Cordell. One being, obviously today, everything is, a lot is made about today being the franchise tag deadline today, which it is, but that's a kind of a formality for the most part. We'll get into the tag. The more important part to me is that a week from now, your salary cap has to be set. And the Ravens, mm-hmm. if they lock in the exclusive franchise tag, would be over that cap. So there is something to be said for me about, you got like one more week, to kind of make a decision, are we going to commit to Lamar playing at the tag figure or commit to having to make a trade between now and next week? Because once you get the next week, you've got to be under the cap and you're going to mm-hmm. have to make some hard decisions when it comes to other players on this roster, the Gus Edwards of the world, the Chuck Clarks of the world, based on what you do with Lamar. So as much as today is a deadline, it really does feel to me like by next week, They've got to make a, a firm decision about whether or not they're willing to have Lamar Jackson play under the cap figure this year. Yeah, and like you said, they, the Ravens aren't afforded the ability to go uh, based off of the official deadlines placed by the NFL. Like you said, today is the deadline for tag day, but really this situation is going to bleed into next week because what they decide today is going to impact what they decide to do with their cap within the next week. Also, they have, if they do put the franchise tag on Lamar, they have up until July 15th to negotiate a long-term deal. But the Ravens themselves, they don't have until July. They've got until draft night, mm-hmm. night one of draft night, to figure out what they're going to do with Lamar. So everything is kind of uh, unorthodox for them this offseason. Deadlines aren't the usual deadlines. They're going to have some big decisions to make we may see a Gus Edwards cut. We may end up seeing uh, a Chuck Clark cut instead of potentially traded later on in this offseason. They may have to part ways with a Devin DuVernay, who I would imagine they would like to keep in this offense right now. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a a trickle-down effect no matter what they decide from this Lamar situation. That's why I said before, you know, it's a a momentum-shifting decision for this franchise. This is to me, the biggest offseason that the Ravens have had. Well, Cordell, let me take it a step further. If I, The reason why I don't even think the draft can be the deadline, imagine you make those decisions next week. So March 15th, next Wednesday is the date. At 4 p.m., you got to be under the salary cap. So imagine you move on from Devin DuVernay. Imagine you move on from Gus Edwards. Like, let's just play this all out, only to then end up trading Lamar Jackson and drafting a quarterback and having a ton of salary cap space, but we've already gotten past free agency what was the point? Like, what was the point of having all of that cap space if you've already given up on your players and you've gotten past the part where there's money to be spent on somebody? I, I yeah. my, my thought is, if you're going to trade Lamar Jackson, 
you got to make that decision by next Wednesday so that you can approach the offseason and make these other moves and build a roster knowing what you're doing with that. If you do all of this, if you trade Lamar Jackson after you've gone ahead and set the salary cap and made all these other decisions, you're kind of standing there holding your, your you know, your you know what in your hands at that point. Like, <laughs> the, what the hell did we do all of these things for? If ultimately we were going to have all the salary cap space, but nobody to spend it on. Yeah, that's that's the pressing thing. They're going to be sick if they end up losing guys like uh, Gus Edwards and Devin Duvernay specifically, because I believe they really do want to keep those guys, and I think they want to keep Chuck too. But the Chuck situation is obviously yeah, a little different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I, I think that yeah, if they get into a position to where they have to let those guys go, and then they figure out oh, after, after next week that they want to trade Lamar, you're right. It's like, well, what did we just do? Right. You know, we really just hit the reset button. And John Harbaugh has said he's not trying to be a part of a rebuild. You know, this, you, you think Calais Campbell is trying to return to, to Baltimore for a rebuild situation? You know, you think Mark Andrews wants to be a part of a rebuild situation? That's not what these guys want um, as a team right now. So I, I think that it's imperative for them to make sure, A, they get it right, and B, they, they act swiftly. But at the same time, this is too big of a decision for them to rush, you know, to, to, to just do something just to get it over with or to move on from this situation. It's, it's too, it, this, this decision has too big of an impact on the future of this franchise. So they have to make sure they're precise. I, I know a lot of people have said, uh, of what the G of, of what Eric DeCosta might have gotten with gauges from some of the other GMs out at the combine, I wouldn't trust a word none of those dudes say and pertain, pertaining to Lamar Jackson and what they think that he's worth and what they're willing to pay him. If they were to let Lamar Jackson test the open market, it could I think it would get ugly. Um, I that's let's get to that. Cordell Woodland from 105.7 The Fan with us here on GCR. That's where this whole debate about the non-exclusive versus exclusive does get interesting to me because I, I, I think that there are, is merit to the argument, particularly if the only hang-up that's here is that Eric DaCosta, John Harbaugh, they're on board with paying whatever you got to pay in order to get Lamar Jackson, but Steve Bishotti's not. And, and letting Lamar Jackson go get an offer from another team takes the heat off of Steve Bishotti when he walks back into the owners' meetings next year he can say, dude, you guys can't be mad at me. Arthur Blank's yep. the one that effed this up for everybody, right? Yep. Like, don't, you can't, what are you doing, stink eye and me? This isn't on me. This is on, you know, Snyder. This is on insert name here of team that needs a quarterback. Get mad at that guy. He forced me to do this. Of course, we all know that we all know the flip side argument is that someone could structure a deal that has so much money up front this season that the Ravens can't possibly match it. And then they're left yep. only with two first-round picks. So, like, I'm intrigued by the idea of the non-exclusive, but I am still also concerned there can't be a scenario where you walk away from this only receiving two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. And that's what it is, Glenn. Like you said, it's intriguing, right, the non-exclusive tag. It's intriguing because it's a quick fix. If, it, if literally everything goes the Ravens' way, it would be a quick fix. A team offers Lamar something in the ballpark of what the Ravens have been offering him or something that the Ravens can match. Because I do believe that if they put the non-exclusive tag on him, they're approaching it with the mindset of we're matching almost 
whatever offer is put on him. I've maintained that I do believe they want Lamar in Baltimore. I do. I think that they're having a problem, obviously, figuring out what type of money or what type of contract they need they need to construct to keep him in Baltimore. So they're going to let the other teams do the work for them. You know, they're going to let the market dictate what Lamar is worth. But if the market dictates that he's worth more than what you're able to pay him, you're stuck standing with your tail between your legs because you got two measly first-round picks. And who knows what this year's first-round pick is going to look like. Uh, what, if you end up getting get, uh, losing Lamar to a team that's got a 14th, 15th overall pick, what, is that enough value for Lamar? And then what about next year's right. pick once Lamar joins the team? Do you think that team isn't going to be better than they were this year? So that pick is going to be even worse. I, it could turn out to be a dream scenario for the Ravens because they could end up getting Lamar back at the number that they wanted, but it could also end up being a nightmare for them because they would have lost one of the most electrifying players in this league for at least half of what he's worth. Yep. I mean, that's that's the reality for me. And I, I it's tough because, you know, it's really weird, Cordell. Like, in a way, I genuinely feel like this process could ultimately help the Ravens, right? Like, especially if that's the, the specific scenario that I've been talking, that I just re- put out there is the one that they're struggling with. Like, it could be really beneficial. It's just they could also be the one that leaves them with the most. It, it would be a an historic blunder. I mean, we talk about some of the blunders in Ravens history. Moving on from Trent Dilfer, my God, you were switching one mediocre quarterback for another mediocre quarterback. The Anquan Bolden thing was one of the great blunders in the history of the Ravens, and there's no defense of this. But to 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 lose a generational talent at quarterback for a price less than what players have fetched that are non-quarterbacks on the trade market in recent years would would truly be, I mean, an all-time eternal blunder in the history of this franchise. And it's something that's going to be very tough to rebound from. Anybody that thinks that you're just going to be able to lose a player of that caliber at this premium position in the NFL, in the AFC, then and, and think that that the team isn't going to miss a beat, that the team will, okay, we won't make the playoffs this year, but next year we're back because that first-round quarterback that we drafted, he'll be ready. Or, you know, that, that veteran, he'll have enough, like, it's no quick fix with that. There will be, a, I think, a big-time drop-off for the Ravens if you don't have Lamar Jackson back there. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any way around it. And I think that this should serve as a lesson to people. We have seen teams in the past, all throughout the NFL, this is the Ravens are the first team to do this. We've seen teams try to play cheap when it comes to the quarterback position at times and try to play the long game. And how many times has that really worked out for a team? I can't really name any teams off the top of my head that have gone through this situation back and forth with a quarterback and it's ended up working out. Even if they end up signing the quarterback right. eventually, they're signing them for more money then than they would have got him for had they initially signed him. And it's the same situation now. This is the wrong position to be cheap with. There's other positions on your team that you can kind of use these bargaining tactics with. But when it comes to the quarterback position, the proof is in the pudding. You're paying for the position, not the player. Everybody is so worried about overpaying that they don't realize it's worth it to pay these guys, especially a former MVP, but it's worth it to pay these guys 
than to be one of the teams without a quarterback in your worst case stuck I, in the middle it, of the pack. The nightmare. It's, I said yesterday, I was trying to explain to Griffin, like, I, you'd rather be in hell than be in purgatory, right? There is, like, yeah. you, you'd rather simply just have no quarterback at all and have a chance to draft your next quarterback than be stuck in purgatory when it comes to the quarterback mm-hmm. position because then you're just good enough to not be good enough and too good to be able to find your next quarterback in the process. Like, it's, it is a nightmare scenario. All right, buddy, what's your uh, schedule like this week over on 105.7? Yeah, I'll be uh, back on the air tomorrow from 7 to 10. Um, Of course, we'll be highlighting everything that goes on today and trying to figure out what's next, where do we go from here, uh, because after today we'll have a little more clarity on what the Ravens will be able to do for the remainder of the offseason. So now we can kind of start to look at what moves are going to be impacted now that Lamar either has one of the two franchise tags or by some God-given miracle, he signed a long-term deal. Uh, um, I, I'm going to bet against that at this point, but <laughs> it is what it is, man. I, you know, we're all, we're all dealing with it. At Cordell Woodland on Twitter is how you follow him. Appreciate you, brother. We'll talk soon, all right? Yes, sir. Appreciate you. It's Cordell Woodland from 105.7 The Fan. Of course, also the Winning Drive podcast with he. And our friend Rita, the NFL chick. Any updates, uh, Prince Charles? Anything else that's interesting that's come across? Only thing I got is um, a report from the Ravens camp. Uh, what do you mean from the Ravens camp? It's from a guy, Jack Suttleman. He has a blue check. Oh, I, he's not really it. Go ahead. Yeah, but go but ahead this is anyway. what he's saying. Uh, no no long-term deal for Jackson today. He's going to be tagged by 4 p.m. If exclusive, expectation is Ravens will look to trade Jackson. If non-exclusive, the Ravens believe there's two teams they cannot or will not match, and they're Atlanta and Chicago. And as for the Jets, uh, they would match that being an AFC team, and they don't have enough first wait, round wait, picks. Wait, 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 wait. That's Chicago. That's fascinating. Now, first of all, you know what? I'm not going to. Jackson, really nice guy. I don't know where that's coming from, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to spend too much time with it. He's a really nice guy. He's a Baltimore native. He's the founder of a website, and he's a social. Thing. It's possible that he's got some connection somewhere. I'm not. I'm not putting any credence. I, and I yeah, like, I'm just taking it. I like something Jack. To think, I'm just not something to talk about. Yeah, I'm just yeah. not going to put anything. Into I thought it. the the non-exclusive part was really interesting. Yeah, that the, there was two teams well, that I've, they feel like they could not match well just from cap structure yeah. what they can put in I, it's that's i'm sorry i, I can't i can't N- nice guy i can't do too much with it there is one thing uh the ravens uh, are going to uh, finalize a deal with denard wilson to be their db's coach he is he a terp yeah he's, he a, terp. A, he's a terp the math uh, i think the math yep, was working with the uh, the eagles last season correct and uh the, i saw the jeffs rebeck okay. the feeling there. on twitter about that is not the news we wanted yes correct <laughs> could have gone with something else today all right, hey, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Uh, the good news for Griffin is as much as he lost last night, he can get more free bets today if he signs up, like with DraftKings, yes. and bets $5, gets $200 in free bets. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Go do it right now if you lost a bunch of money like Griffin. Let's squeeze a break in if we can, and then we'll chat with Patrick Stevens next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. 
Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC is here to help. With funding available for short-term career programs, you can get back on your feet in no time. Starting this March, become a certified apartment maintenance technician to secure your future. CCBC's program offers hands-on training and prepares you for a rewarding career in the growing field of property management. Don't wait any longer. Call 443-840-2222 or online at ccbcm.com. Edu for more details. CCBC Apartment Maintenance Technician. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know what's on Grinder or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. I promise we will get back into 24-7 Lamar Jackson watch here in a bit because this is – my father must be so proud of me that this is what I'm doing with my life. 
But let's take a pause. Joining us now, as he does every Tuesday, to talk some college sports. Obviously, a heartbreaker for Towson last night. He is our friend, Mr. Patrick Stevens, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? A bit tired, but that's par for the course. Yeah, yeah, that's the case. Is tonight your final, like, are you doing anything else after tonight's? I'm actually going down to Greensboro for a couple minutes. Oh, very cool. So, in the ACC so I'm going sk- to skip the Charleston-Wilmington final and actually okay. hit the road a little bit and make it make probably about halfway down and then catch the, the, the second and third days of the ACC tournament. Uh, doing that for the post, I'm assuming? Uh, no, that I'm actually. I've got a few other things. Oh, to get all right. So you well, might, the, I might just pop up at the uh, Loyola Duke lacrosse game. Well, how about that? That's a big one on Friday night. Very good. All right, uh, Patrick. Obviously, last night. I, I don't know what else there is to say. A heck of a game. It was a very entertaining basketball game for those of us that were watching it. Um, for Towson fans, it ends up going the wrong way. I, in the end, the uh, free throw disparity kind of stands out a little bit. I thought maybe some of their decisions at the end of the game in crunch time stood out a little bit that they sort of settled for two very long. I know that Timberlake's the right guy to be shooting, but they were really long shots, man. It seemed like you were kind of settling when, when Cam Holden was a better answer as the game went on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, first of all, it was a, a highly entertaining game uh, for sure. Uh, and, and Pat Scary did point out the free throw disparity, although I would, I would point out that, that Towson does foul. And, sure. you know, I think there's some of that. Some of that does come into play where you look at, you know, you get a guy, you get you know, maybe some subs in there, and they're probably going to pick up some extra fouls too. So, in any case, yeah, I, I would say that Towson's endgame decision-making wasn't great. <laughs> Sorry, a little sick this week. Oh, man, um, on top of everything anyway. else. Great. <laughs> of all the yeah, weeks. exactly. Of all the weeks, right? Yeah. So, anyway, uh, ultimately – uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you know you're dealing with a team like Charleston that's really good. We've talked about it so much over the course of the season that this was probably who they were going to have to go through, uh, and they they stood up to them for 38, 39 minutes and just couldn't get the job done. It's really not that dissimilar uh, to the first two times they played them. Obviously, somewhat different themes involved there, uh, but I, I will say this: I, I thought Towson defensively in the first half. Uh, couldn't have played much better, and they're sitting there only up five at that point, and you're kind of thinking, well, at some point Charleston's going to start hitting some threes. They did initially in the second half, uh, but, you know, I I thought that Towson acquitted itself well, but that's not really what Towson wanted to do in a season when it had Charles Thompson and Nick Timberlake and Cam Holton all back. So uh, disappointing, I think, is the deal for the Tigers. We're now 0 and 5 all time in CA semifinals. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else there is to to say about that. That's that's tough. Um, look, they've continued to put themselves right in the mix. It's clear that Pat Scarry's built a a quality competitive program year in and year out. I don't know that there's an easy. It would have been nice to have had Jason Gibson. You can sort of you know rue that. But I I don't know what else there is to say big picture about Towson falling in the CAA tournament. <laughs> Yeah, this one's not like last year. Like last year, that they, you know, Thompson gets hurt, and then they just then nobody plays well in the in the semifinal against Delaware. Um, and so that you kind of look at as a serious missed opportunity. The league wasn't quite as strong at the top last season. Uh, this year, I, I think anybody that was watching over the course of the season figured that Charleston was the best team in the league, and that and that Hofstra obviously had some offensive weapons. It wasn't as clear cut for Towson. So, 
you know, I think this was not quite as much of a missed opportunity. I think, if anything, you, you have to give some credit to Towson for not rolling over when it was a 13-point game. You know, I thought a play that, that sort of switched things a bit was the sort of bear hug that Charles Thompson mm. had that got mm. that flagrant foul. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like, it really kind of fired Towson up. And they, I think that happened when they were down 11, and the next thing you know, they've got it down to a one-possession game. Now, Thompson fouled out during that stretch, too. Uh, they certainly could have used him late, but I certainly understand Pat Scary rolling the dice and having him in there with four fouls with ten, nine, ten minutes to go. They pretty, they pretty much had to do that with their season of I get it. I get it. Um, and Charleston's really good, I think, is the other part of this. that We can only say that's, something. That's a very big really part of good. it. I mean, that, 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 this year's Charleston team is a lot better, with no disrespect to, to Delaware, which was a championship team in their own right. right. But this Charleston team's really, really good. Yep. And, you know, obviously you could, you could tell that there was some feistiness between those two teams, you know, even from the start. <laughs> yeah. So anyway... Yep. That's uh, you yep. know, that that's 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 that. Yep, no question about it. Now, there's only a few teams that are left standing. We'll get to Maryland in 1 second, but the thumbnail that what do we need to know about Morgan and Coppin and UMES going into the MEAC tournament? I, it seems like it's uh, quite the long shot for Mount St. Mary's to have much of a chance in the MAC tournament. Yeah, I mean, I I think success for Mount St. Mary's probably involves winning the game tonight against Canisius. They yeah. beat Canisius twice during the regular season. That's a, a team that can score like crazy, uh, doesn't really defend a whole lot. I mean, I got to see those teams play up in Emmitsburg last month, and uh, Mount St. Mary's won that game by a point. And Mount St. Mary's is playing well. I mean, you, you could say that other than Iona, they're playing about as well as anybody in that league right now. They've won four out of their last five. Now, the problem with that is is that if they beat Canisius tonight, guess who they get to play? Um, Iona? It'll be Iona. Yeah. It's going to be Iona, yeah. and Iona is just kind of – they're just sort of built differently. Uh, and Iona at this point has ripped off an 11-game winning streak. That included a, a couple victories over Mount St. Mary's in that stretch. And, you know, they're just – I've seen most of the teams in that league. They're just physically different. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from Rick Pitino's coaching skills, but I think he won that league in the offseason hmm. by uh, – collecting this roster, I think is fair to say. So, in any case, I, I think that's going to be a, a tough slog for uh, for Mount St. Mary's if it happens to win that one. So, anyway, uh, as for the MEAC games, you get a you get Morgan State and UMES meeting uh, in the quarterfinals on Thursday. Uh, they just played uh, about a week or, week, week or so ago uh, down in Princess Anne where Morgan State was able to come away with a victory. So, that's, uh, I think, a bit of a toss-up game in the, in the first round. Meanwhile, Coppin has uh, sort of snuck in there a little bit and is playing a bit better. They've won three of their last four, and they won all three of those games on the road. I mean, it's kind of bizarre that, that uh, Coppin only went one and six at home in league play but managed to go three and four with wins at Norfolk and Morgan State. They get Norfolk State again, and I saw Norfolk last week against Howard, and, and they were not very interested in playing, quite frankly. Mm. They looked off. And so I would consider the real possibility that the Coppin could pull a surprise because this Norfolk team just did not turn out to be as invulnerable as I think most people expected them would be. I mean, they had just about everybody back from a team that, that just marauded through the conference last year. And, you know, th- this year they have been 
they have been picked off a number of times. They got they got swept by Howard, um, and, and were just not competitive in a twenty point loss. Uh, they they were down twenty nine last week to North Carolina Central in the second half. Came back and forced overtime and then lost. And they had the Coppin loss, so they head into the tournament with three out of four. So they're on the opposite side of the draw from Morgan and Eastern Shore. The Morgan Eastern Shore winner probably gets Howard in the semifinals. So uh, I think that that league is certainly more wide open than we thought it was going to be at the start of the year. Uh, and so there's certainly some opportunities for all those teams to be able to do some damage. Uh, Patrick Stevens is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. We bring it to Maryland. And speaking of you know heartbreaking losses, my word. Um, let, let's talk about the reality for them going into this weekend. Just as far as seeding for the NCAA tournament is concerned, how much could they move themselves up or down over the course of you know, two, three, hell, even four days in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, there's a whole lot of movement that's going to happen the rest of the way. I mean, I think that, you know, they probably, with a loss, could cost themselves a seed line maybe. But at this point, like, I, I think they'd be an eight right now. I don't know if they can fall down to, like, a ten line or something like that. And the difference between an eight and nine is obviously jersey color. Um can they get much higher than a seven right now? I mean, the thing is, is, there's only three quad one wins on the profile. You know, you look at them, they've, they've not done a lot away from home. They've obviously been great in College Park aside from that UCLA game. Uh, but away from home, I mean, the two neutral site games in November against St. Louis and Miami are good, particularly the Miami win. But then the road victories are Louisville and Minnesota. Yep. They're, and, they're awful. You know, yes. it's just not. Yeah. You know, that's just not. That's just not going to cut. That's just, that doesn't really impress. So, you know, it would be helpful, I think, for them to to sort of shore up the away from home stuff. But even then, I I don't think that they've distinguished themselves. And they had a chance last week if they had if they had handled business. Um, you know, they could have been in second place in the league. They could have picked up a couple more road wins and could have been talking about, hey, maybe that team could get up to like the five line. And instead, I think they're probably staring at a seven or an eight seed, which, you know, in fairness to them, uh, at the start of November, no doubt. talking about them being a seven or eight seed would be good. Yep. Unfortunately for them, at the start of March, talking about being a seven or eight seed would be kind of disappointing. That's that's exactly right. And again, I, I think that everybody can keep perspective that no matter what happens, it has still been a successful season and <laughs> all of these things. It's just the the what could have been in just a couple of these games on the road, if you don't get off to such a you know bad start in some places, or you know if you get a rebound when there's three guys standing underneath the basket against Penn State, like there's so many opportunities they had that they just came up a little bit short in the process. But no doubt, um, no matter what happens, it's still been a very successful season. All right, um, lacrosse. Uh, you mentioned Loyola Duke. Obviously, that's huge. Uh, Maryland loses a, a hell of a game to Notre Dame on Saturday. I don't. I don't know. I mean, like there's nothing that's it's otherworldly to me. This is a massive opportunity for Loyola to sort of back up what they did against Maryland and Hopkins if they were to beat Duke. At that point, they probably just about punch their ticket to the tournament, right? Well, assuming that they don't do anything like fall apart. Sure, right. In the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, yes. But, but, but in terms of having an at-large profile, that would be pretty good. So I do think that uh, when you size them up, uh, they've obviously played really, really well here uh, over the first month of the season. But I believe Cam Wires was out for Yes, he was. And so, you know, do, can they get him back in time for that for a trip to Duke? Because that changes things. 
Like if Cam Wires can't play yep. defensively, they're a lot more vulnerable to a team that's already pretty darn good with Brent, Brennan O'Neill and, and everybody else on that offense for the Blue Devils. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that ultimately uh, this is sort of, given how they've started the year, this is maybe a little bit of a bonus game for Loyola. If they can get this one, great. Uh, They've already done some good stuff non-conference-wise. They'll still have the Georgetown game at home in in, uh, in April to play with. Um, but ultimately, their their main task now is to navigate the conference without too much trouble. Uh, maybe you know you, you have the you have the ability to give up a game or two, uh, but ultimately you you want to handle that those conference games and put yourself in a position you know, to maybe not even need the. The automatic or the the at large bid sure. by winning the automatic. Sure, and is it worth? I, I know it's going to be tough for them. They have to play at Delaware today after a very quick turnaround because the Towson game was moved to Sunday. But is it worth noting the start that UMBC is off to? They're playing great defense, right? Yeah. Um. The only thing that the only thing that seems to stop them at this point is power out. Correct. So, you know, uh, but you look at what they've done first four games. They've given up seven, six, four, and four. Um, and Towson had, I think, 27 turnovers, which says a little bit, I think, about Towson as well. If we're if we're being completely fair, um, that they had they had 26 turnovers. I apologize. Uh, in any case, you know, I I think the UMBC with that quick turnaround, it is going to be tough, and it's going to be a cranky Delaware team that's coming off back to back losses to Villanova and Michigan. Uh, I think that the Blue Hens are are going to be pretty fired up for this one. But if UMBC can contain that offense. Uh, then I think we definitely should stand up and pay attention to what the Retrievers are doing at the defensive end because uh, Delaware has got an excellent, uh, excellent, efficient offense, uh, as we saw in the tournament last year. And if UMBC can, can kind of contain them, even even if it's not in a win, even if it's in like a 9-7 sure. loss, sure. like that, that would, that would uh, I think, validate uh, what we've seen from UMBC so far. Let's get into our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for? Uh, the first one, Patrick, I I would say is tough. You know, I'm not going to say too much here. It was a request from Mark. Four teams, only one all-star appearance for Nate McClough. Uh, well, he was definitely a pirate. Yes. Um, was he a national? He most certainly was a national. Did he make an appearance here in Baltimore? Not only did he make an, make an appearance, famously in the 2012 playoffs, hit a ball that Orioles fans to this day still think struck the foul pole in Game 5 against uh, the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. That was the reason why he was requested. He was most certainly an Oriole. That's what I thought. And I don't remember where else he was, but maybe maybe I'll just throw Philadelphia in ah, for geographic. It, yeah, you know, right? Every, he played within the entire... Atlanta was the fourth, um, and admittedly, okay. I did not remember that one either, but that's pretty damn good. And then a four-time All-Star, a former Gold Glove Award winner, and Silver, Slug winner, Silver Slugger winner, four teams as well for a catcher, Russell Martin. Russell Martin was in Toronto. Yes. He was a Dodger. Most certainly. He was a Pirate. Yep. And was he a brave too? No, you know what? And I struggled with this one as well, which is hilarious considering what it is. I did not remember. Blue Jays? Not we already got the Blue Jays. He was a Yankee. He was a okay. Yankee for two seasons in eleven and twelve. And somehow I've completely blocked that out entirely. 
at Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter. Of course, the Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine, and you never know where else he might pop up. Um, ACC tournament, maybe some lacrosse on Friday night. Anything else for you? Nothing pinned down as of the moment. All right. Patrick, feel better, my friend. I appreciate you gotten it I'm out. Actually with... on the better, I'm actually on the better side. Well, that is so. that is good news. I'm glad to hear that. I just sound, I just sound poor. Hey, man. Hey, man. I appreciate you gotten it out with us. Safe travels this week. We'll talk to you about the brackets come next Tuesday. All right. Awesome, Glenn. Take care. Thanks, buddy. Patrick Stevens with us here on GCR as he is every Tuesday talking college sports. Uh, Prince Charles nearly got got, by the way. <laughs> First of all, today's show brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox, and you can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Gunnar Henderson's on the cover. There he is. A uh, great profile from Luke Jackson about the uh, number one prospect in all of baseball, the favorite to win American League Rookie of the Year. Go check that out right now. So we went to break before Patrick. And, of course, uh, I put Charles in charge. Ha! Ah, look at that. It's, it's his new nickname, Charles in Charge. I put Charles in charge. Do you have any idea what Charles in Charge is? Yeah, it's from, okay. like, the 80s. Or yes, something it was like a that, TV yeah. show. Thank you very much. Um, I put Charles in charge of monitoring Twitter today because today is obviously a very significant day, and we don't know if at some point the news might break. And it's not just a pure formality because there is still the possibility of it going one way or another with a non-exclusive or an exclusive. So, and there's fallout that comes from that, right? Like, so it's, it's, it's an important day for us to be on top of it, in part because we know we have a large audience after the show. And so if it were to happen, we would like to be able to talk about it. We wouldn't, what we wouldn't want is for it to happen at 11.57 and us miss it somehow and us not have much in the way of conversation about the tag, whatever it ends up being. So I said to Charles before today's show, you, you've you got this. It's, it's your show. You're monitoring Twitter. You know, we were having fun with it. He was telling me about Marlon Humphrey saying today's a great day. And, you know, Jack Settleman, I don't really know what to make of that. But, boy, during the commercial break, he dropped a bomb on us. <laughs> Charles, a fake bomb. Charles said, oh, this is the big one. Okay. It was. <laughs> this, this, is, this is the big one. Clear your day. Cancel Patrick Stevens. Doing a four-hour show. Tell Vernon Davis, <laughs> get the F out of here. We got something to talk about. And he proceeded to read through an entire tweet about how Lamar Jackson wanted out. Could be true. I mean, From Tom Pelissero. I was like, oh, my oh. God. Yeah, this is big. And then I go to Tom Pelissero's Twitter account, and I'm like, huh, there's no tweet there. And, of course, it was – did we find – a dummy account. Yeah. I'm just now finding just like a lot of like tidbits that people are finding to like prove, like give the reasoning why the Ravens should just give him the money. And this one is just, is just nuts to me. He has the same career earnings as a backup in New Orleans when they just signed Derek Carr. Yes, Taysom Hill. Yes, same career correct. earnings as Taysom now, Hill. Now, again, that's the way the rookie salary cap, or the rookie con, rookie contract structure works in the nfl like the players negotiated that in the cba they negotiated what the set the, the structure would be for a contract for your rookie deal lamar jackson can blame the union for that but the union is apparently the one that's working with him and getting this deal so 
look, man, there's there's a million things. It's all over the place. The for the Ravens to not think there's a market for them when a well, I team don't... like the Saints have shown they will they are willing to pay yes that kind of money for Taysom Hill to do what Lamar does. Maybe in total a but, drive. But, of a but game. there can be a difference between the Ravens not thinking there's a market for Lamar and the Ravens saying, even if there is, we're not going there. Like those can be two separate things. And we can have our our own opinions. My my friend Rob Shields from uh Russell Street Report always likes to remind me about his opinion is that you never pay a quarter. He is very much in the camp of that you can't survive 20% of your salary cap and you don't pay anybody unless they're Patrick Mahomes that amount of money. I don't agree with that. I I think we're entering into an era, also, for what it's worth, that the way the salary cap is expected to explode, within two years... They should have some breathing room. Even even a $50 million figure is only 20% of your cap. Within three years, it's less than 20% of your cap. If the salary cap continues to move, even at the expected rate of $20 million a year. So that presumes there's nothing that comes that, you know, like a, a London team, something that would explode the cap even more. Right now, the cap is expected to expand at roughly a rate of $20 million a year for the foreseeable future. And I respect, you can have that opinion. We disagree. It's okay. You look at a certain set of numbers and see one thing. I look at a certain set of numbers and I see something else. It doesn't change, the, like, the, the thing you bring up where you're like, well, you know, until this year, a quarterback hadn't won the Super Bowl with more than 13% of the salary. Can- we, we can do this for forever. There was an era where quarterbacks didn't get that percentage of the salary cap. So that data is kind of irrelevant. No offense, but it doesn't matter. There's also no data that says you're better off having mid-level quarterback play. You can only point out one Super Bowl that was won. If you want to say Joe Flacco as well, that's fine. I'll, I'll give you that. We have to acknowledge how insanely well Joe Flacco played in that postseason. Like That's the problem yeah. with having that conversation. That I get the point. The point he was, he was a mid-level quarterback. But at the same time, he wasn't playing like a mid-level quarterback. And somebody might say the same thing about Nick Foles, right? But, like, he didn't play quite as well yeah, as Joe, Joe Flacco I mean, Joe did. Flacco had Joe Flacco had, had, one of the greatest, yes, had one of the greatest runs in the history yeah. of, of postseason football. Nick Foles played really well, but I wouldn't even put him at that level. Nick Foles is the only argument that you can make of a team that won the Super Bowl despite having mid-level quarterback play. So you can say, hey, the data says you can't pay your quarterback this much money and win the Super Bowl. Fine, but you can't pretend like the data says you can have a mid-level quarterback and win a Super Bowl. It doesn't say that. Now, that doesn't mean, as I keep pointing out, that you can't draft your next quarterback and find a superstar quarterback. We've also never seen a rookie quarterback win a Super Bowl before, so where are we exactly? Where are we at? Are you just being? Are you just willing to punt this season? You're frustrated the Ravens haven't won more playoff games under John Harbaugh, um, but are you just willing to punt this season? Say, well, you, you can't win a Super Bowl. If you think that this hard data matters, then the hard data's got to matter that a rookie's never won a Super Bowl, right? I, again, that's why I always come back to just pay Lamar Jackson and let's get on with it. Like, that's where I am. But I get it. All of these opinions are relevant. 
All of these opinions certainly exist in a world. And, and by the way, they probably all factor into what the Ravens are thinking. I, I still think the most likely scenario is the Ravens, the, the decision, the football decision makers want Lamar Jackson and the owner doesn't want to go the fully guaranteed route in order to do it. Like that's the most likely scenario to me about everything that's played out here. Could could they be thinking that in that no one's ever won with a rookie quarterback? Could the Ravens think that maybe they have a chance because the last two first round rookies they took, they did they did well with. Mm. They they won the division with Lamar. Or, or, Flacco went to the or they AFC championship. right. He went to the AFC championship. Look, the rookie quarterback went to the NFC championship game this yeah. year. It's not like the, they haven't been rookies that have been very competitive. And teams that have been competitive with rookie quarterbacks, but you got to know who your guy is. You got to know what the deal is that's going to get you that guy in the draft. Again, signing up for a scenario where you say, "Well, we really love," let's just say C.J. Stroud, but you end up with the eighth pick in the draft. You're not getting C.J. Stroud. Yeah. So, do you really love Anthony? Again, they met with Anthony Richardson at the combine, right? Do you really love Anthony Richardson? Do you really believe that you can win now with Anthony Richardson? The prevailing opinion in football circles is that that's a bit more of a project that might take a little while longer. But do you look at it and say, we think we can put something together to win with Anthony Richardson now and help at the same time develop him as a quarterback? The obvious comparisons to Lamar Jackson are overwhelming, but to pretend like Anthony Richardson is anywhere near as accomplished as Lamar Jackson was at this point would be nonsense. You also have to make a bigger financial commitment into him because he's going to have to be a top 10 pick. I, yeah, it's this, not like These are hard that. questions, man. Again, this is why I keep coming back to just sign your quarterback. But as I always say, like there's got to be some more. If the Ravens have broken down and said, look, man, we'll do it. We'll, we'll do fully guaranteed... We, we, we don't want to go past Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson has said, no, we got to go past. Like, there is a, always a number. Somebody said to me, is there a number at which you would finally come off this? If we found out Lamar Jackson was asking for $60 million fully guaranteed per year, I would say absolutely not. I'm not blowing up over Lamar Jackson. But what my point has always been, if you're agreeable about what the numbers are for a quarterback and your disagreement is simply about how much of it is fully guaranteed, you lose me. You lose me. You're paying that quarterback. It would take an insane world for you to not pay the entirety of the contract to the quarterback. I, I'm not going through this over the words because it's mostly a formality. We'll talk about it more. There are a couple of things that I did want to get to today, so maybe we squeeze them in uh, here for a second. I want to talk about the broadcast yesterday. Um, there was a little bit of pushback on Masson putting the pitch clock on the screen. It was only a little bit, and it seemed to only come from one place. I also never got an opportunity to talk about the college football rules situation that is, is moving forward and is insane because the news kind of came out on Friday after the show, and so... I, I want to talk. There's a couple of things I've wanted to cover that I just haven't had the opportunity to. So we'll do that. But trust me, we'll do plenty more Lamar Jackson and still to come today, uh, Vernon Davis. That's all on the way. Sam the Fan Charles caught up with um, Mike Devereaux last night. He and Russ Grimsley. If you missed it, you can find it right now. Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. YouTube.com slash Pressbox Online or Pressboxonline.com slash video. 
Find it there. Stan's going to be off not doing those shows for uh, a week because he'll be down in Sarasota. But I think he's going to check in with us, uh, or I'm going to do a video with him. I don't know what the plan is exactly, but we'll figure it out between now and then. But in the meantime, go find Stan Ross and Mike Devereaux, who also worked as an instructor with the Orioles down in spring training right now. Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC has great news for you. We have funding available for short-term career programs like project management starting this March. Gain valuable skills to advance your career and get back on track. With CCBC's project management, management program, you'll learn how to effectively plan, organize, and execute projects. This is your chance to make a positive change in life. Contact us at 443-840-2222 or online ccbcmd.edu for more information. CCBC Project Management. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat-around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, back in here on GCR. We continue on a Tuesday edition of the show. I just want to go back to a thought really quickly. When we were talking about Cordell, I brought this up. 
Today's deadline is very important. Mostly and specifically which tag they place on Lamar. Next Wednesday's deadline, what I'm saying is, if between... you got to be under the cap by next Wednesday. If the Ravens use the exclusive tag on Lamar, they would be over the cap. That's okay for now. You've got eight more days after you make that decision to get back under the cap. But in that process, you might end up losing players. If they're going to trade Lamar Jackson and draft a quarterback, they'd be saving a ton of space on the cap. It would be nonsensical to do that, make tough decisions. Let's just say in order to get under the cap by next Wednesday, you've got to let go of Devin Duvernay. You've got to let go of Gus Edwards. It would be nonsensical to do that, only to turn around later and trade Lamar Jackson and get that cap space back. It would be insane to do it at the draft when we've already gotten past the start of free agency and the relevance of having cap space. What's the what's the point of getting cap space in April to spend it on who? The scraps that are left in the free agent market? The you know the the Jason Pierre Pauls of the world? <laughs> like what would the point of that be? The time frame for executing a trade ideally would have been before now. Because you would have had every team in. Two teams are already off. Unless you want one of their quarterbacks. Like I, the, it would be insane for the Seahawks to commit to Geno Smith and then turn around and be like, but actually we really wanted Lamar Jackson. Unless you're in love, because they would have to get rid of Geno Smith in the process. Unless you're in love with that guy, they're off the market. The Saints, the Seahawks, they have settled their quarterback situation. Do they feel great about it? Eh, who knows? But they've made a commitment. So they're off. So that's two fewer teams that you can negotiate with than you had the ability to 48 hours ago, 30 30 hours ago, whatever it was when the Derek Carr deal fell together, 24, frankly. The ideal time was before then. It almost, to me, has to be before next Wednesday just so that you don't end up doing something that you ultimately didn't need to do. The only way I could say it, like, if if you can say, hey, losing Gus Edwards proves to be collateral damage or whatever, it's a running back, who cares? Or maybe you can always sign him back later. Or so You can say whatever you want to say. But essentially, it's just bad business. It would be bad business to give up on a player, lose a player, to get under a cap in order to hold on to a player that you're not holding on to. Like, do you follow what it is that I'm saying? Am I saying it elegantly enough? Or I, I, I'm looking at two blank faces right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We we do an audio medium, Charles. You should say yes. Yeah. Not just not. No. Yeah. It's bad business to like go you, ahead and do these like right. You can lose a player over a player that's not going to be on the team. It's like false proactiveness. Uh, it's kind of be a way to say it. It's sort of be a way to say it. You would end up, you didn't need to give up on, insert, you know, Devin Duvernay. You could have kept Devin Devin Duvernay the entire time if you had just traded Lamar Jackson this week. Right. Instead, you waited to trade him, lost your player over it, 
And now that's one more thing you've got to address. Whatever you feel about Devin Duvernay, we know for sure he's a quality return specialist and, you know, has at times been helpful as a pass catcher. And if it's not Devin Duvernay, it's still got to be somebody else. The, the Ravens, you can, you can say everything you want to say about, well, it's not the end of the world if they lose Devin Duvernay. Sure, it's not the end of the world. But somebody's got to play. And there's just one more hole you got to fill now if you lose Devin Duvernay. I'm not telling you it's, you know, going to be the difference in you winning the Super Bowl next season or not. And ultimately, if you have to keep, you know, Lamar Jackson on the franchise tag, it might be a decision that you have to make. But to make it only for it to be irrelevant because you didn't keep Lamar Jackson would be kind of badass. It would be insanely bad business. I'm trying to make a parallel. Um, I'm trying to think of who is considered the best radio producer in the history of all time. I don't know who that is. Okay, so me. Yeah, but the best. I said. I said the best one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You don't know how to spell Marty. You lose me. You don't know how to spell Morningweg. That was an accident. Yeah. Yeah. It was an accident you made 27 times. I know. I know. And by the way. Not like, how, not, like it, it now. not like it went viral yesterday or anything like that with a misspelling everywhere. Um, it, I, I try to. I mean, I'll give you something better. If if Jeremy Khan told me today, I'm leaving 105.7. I'll come over and join you, and I do the money and I'm like, ah, Christ. All right, but I'm gonna have to get rid of Griffin, right? Like I, I'll have to figure something out. We'll have to. Charles will have to produce the show. I don't know what it is. We'll have to figure it out. But I got to get let go of Griffin. And then a week later, I decided, well, this I don't think this show makes any sense with Jeremy Kahn. I got to get rid of him. Then I'm sitting there with what? Just like, you, okay. What was the yeah. point of any of this? And it's it's a bad parallel because, like, I yeah, I understand Jeremy Because you obviously Kahn's take not, Jeremy Kahn Jeremy Kahn's not Lamar. Well, yes, I would do that in a heartbeat if that's what it came down to. No offense. But, you know. I guess I, guess I can understand it's that. It's Jeremy Kahn, man. <laughs> understand. Like, it's not a decision that would be logical to make. To me, they could say, well, this is more important than that. And again, you can use the words collateral damage. Hey, if we, in order to get this right, we had to lose Devin Duvernay in the process. That's just a risk we have to take. I, I guess? I guess it is. The, the pure badass insane one would be to make a trade after free agency. I mean, that would be about as dumb as it gets. You don't have saving the money helps you in no way. There's nothing to spend the money on. What is the point? What are you doing? Like that. Yeah. That would be bonkers to wait until the that, the draft in order to make a trade. It would be as insane as it gets. It would be as bad business as bad business gets. Saving the money only matters if there's a way to spend the money. I mean, I guess there's still a world in which a player could be available in a trade at that point that you could spend the money on. Like, you could create a scenario where... Trade for what, Mike Evans you know, or, or That's what something. I'm thinking. Like, like, yeah. If but, they were to go that route, they have to ensure... But why would a team, you know... I mean, I mean, I mean, let me stop myself from saying this. It's possible. It's possible, particularly if you knew it well in advance, Right. If you really agreed to this now and just waited until the draft in order to announce yeah. it, that's a different thing. Still, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense because it means you're not going to have to you're not going to participate in free agency. Like, essentially, yes. Yes. And then at that point, you're 
spending a little bit of your money on, like you said, what's left and then pushing the narrative of we're going to wait until one of those quarterbacks during the season comes on the block and then we're going to jump on it. But then you're waiting. A quarterback during the season? Like before the deadline. There's, you're not getting a quarterback in that. They, they, you're not doing that. I mean, there's always one quarterback that. Phil Rivers says he wants to come back. Great. Right, there's that. always one quarterback that goes on the block. Yes, but that's the not. Season. That's but not. Then it's just bad. Like you said, it's bad. It's business. just a guy. Yeah. Like you're not. Nobody that's actually a quarterback is getting traded in the middle of a season. No one that's actually matters. That doesn't happen in the NFL for a bunch of different reasons. The cap being a significant part of it. I mean, you could come up with something off the scrap heap in the middle of the season. You're a backup quarterback, something like that. If your guy got hurt, but you're not getting a real quarterback in the middle of an NFL season. Carson Wentz is out there. Thank you. Um, now, let me cup, touch on a couple things really quickly. He sure is, bud. You're right about that. He sure is. We can wave to him. Hi, Carson. <laughs> how's, how's life? Um, today's show is also brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. They are hiring. If you have a passion for service and want a career for life, the Baltimore County Police Department has great opportunities for you. Cadet salary starting at over $32,000 per year. So if you know someone who's maybe struggling to launch themselves, college just isn't for them, That this is a great path to find your purpose in life um, with a great salary. I mean, if you're 20 years old, making $32,000 a year, you're basically a billionaire, if I'm being completely honest. Let's just be fair. At that age. Now, you know, at, at 30, it's a little bit of a different conversation. Um, but at 20, my God. <laughs> like, I remember when I got my first full-time job at that age, I thought I was the richest man alive. <laughs> like... You have so few expenses, no kids, not nothing to worry about. All you got to do is make rent every month. Like, Jesus Christ. You can have all the Taco Bell you want. You can have all of, like, there's nothing you can't get when you go to Target. Like, it's just a wonderful life to live. Lateral officers uh, start at $64,000 a year. Entry-level officers over $60,000 a year with a $10,000 bonus available for entry-level and lateral officers. 410-887-5542. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com is the website to find out more. All right, quickly. The Orioles were on TV yesterday. Charles is going to continue to monitor if there's news that comes across. We'll get to it. The Orioles were on TV yesterday. I don't think that it was shared. I realized at some point we were all just fighting with the same guy. I don't know if it's Paul. I don't know who it is that was running the Camden chat. I assume that it's Paul. Not Paul Valley. Paul Fulkemer. Oh, okay. Right? He's still at Camden chat, right? That's who that is? I mean, maybe I, 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 maybe I, I should make I sure I even you. know what I'm saying. Maybe it's Paul. I th- I'm pretty sure that's who it I is. I thought of one Paul. Uh, but Paul Valley, yeah. I don't think he's involved with Camden chat. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Paul Fulkemer. Um, who I like. I mean, Paul's a nice guy, but it was very bizarre that he was sort of going in on Masson putting the pitch clock on the screen during the broadcast, and I was just confused by it because I like Paul and I, you know, can the chats an SB Nation site like they're they they're fine. I just I didn't know what the argument was. So the the tweet that started this was: It seems that Masson is putting the pitch clock on the score bug. Terrible choice. Do better, person who decided this. And like genuinely, I was like, Am I missing something here? Like, what is the problem with this? So I responded back. i honestly fascinated by what the argument is here. What's the issue with this? Just a real question. It's not relevant information for 99% of pitches, even in these early days where they're all getting used to it. There's no value in presenting it as if it's something that requires attention for a viewer. It's, really? I mean, <laughs> like, 
Really? <laughs> you, you disagree with that, but also it takes up almost no space yeah, it takes whatsoever. Up a, and that's what I said back to somebody. I, somebody got in on this, like, because then it was a lot of dunking on Paul yesterday, and I was then I was uncomfortable. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make this a dunking situation. I thought there might be a relevant conversation to be had. As it turns out, it was very much everybody versus one person. Like, and so I do kind of feel bad about that. I and I said that to him. I'm like, if it was taking up, I have seen score bugs where I've said, no, this doesn't work. This isn't, I don't like this. It's taking up a relevant portion of the screen. In the upper hand corner, where the action never is in a baseball game, and a very, very small box, not only was it not taking up relevant part of the screen, it was more significantly, to me, providing a non-distracting service. Like the, the worst case thing would be, what's the detriment? Even if you don't think it matters, what is it hurting? But to me, it's, of course, a step beyond that, which is I think all of us are fascinated by how this is working. I think even if we don't think there's going to be many pitch clock violations, getting accustomed to, hey, how much quicker are pitchers operating? How much quicker is interesting? And seeing where on the pitch clock the pitch is being delivered. And second, the, the bottom line is the transparency issue from all of this. That while I don't necessarily want this to create controversy, it the NFL has handled this They've almost made it so the, sh- the the play clock isn't even a rule. Like, you can't understand what the play right. clock is. Because the NFL has muddled it up so that, well, just because you see it, zero on the screen doesn't mean it was a play clock violation. Like, there's the rule is we got to have a buzzer and there's an official and he's got to look back and there's a one. You don't understand. The NFL has perfectly muddled it up so they can never be wrong. They never got the play clock wrong. So that anytime you pull a screenshot and it says zero, and you say, that play never should have counted. The NFL can say, well, that's not how this works. <laughs> it's not just that the play is immediately blown dead at zero. It's that the official has to notice it. And they've got it. They have done. They have perfected this. <laughs> the official has to notice it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rule when it's a rule. But when it's not adjudicated, it's not a rule. The NFL has nailed the play clock thing so that they have muddied the waters to the point where we don't understand. We're like, well, we thought that was a play. It said zero on the screen. Nope. Nope, that's not how it works. Not the way that it goes. Just because you saw zero, pay no attention. But the other time we saw zero, you threw the flag because it was a play clock violation, obviously. I'm in favor of transparency in general. The idea of not putting the pitch clock would be that when a violation is called, the answer is, well, just take our word for it. It was a violation. And okay, we can do that. But I think transparency at every level. If a pitch clock violation is called, and we could all see that there were still three seconds on the clock, then we have the ability to say this isn't okay and suggest that the umpire be held accountable for it. Accountability, transparency are things we should want. It's not the end of the world. I don't think it's going to change my viewing experience of baseball whether or not the pitch clock is right there on the score bug or not. But I can't think of a single argument for why it shouldn't be. My whole thing is like, I mean, the pitch count is on the score bug. Like, yes. If that's on there, and, that's and we leave significantly it on, less and, important and we leave than what they're on, trying to do even, with the pitch clock. No, it's very relevant for starters. We leave the, the pitch count on the score bug when there's a yeah. reliever in. Yeah, that's like, when it gets when irrelevant. A, when there's a reliever the in who's throwing four relevant. pitches, we still put the pitch count on the screen like it's a relevant thing. Um, I, 
If it was distracting, if I thought it was I, something, they, they could have put like a giant thing like in the bottom right, like the the, yeah, the mass it, in the mass in school bugs in the top left, small. Yes. They could have put one the same size in like the bottom right, so you have to look two different places like that. It's I mean yeah, it's 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 so nondescript, and obviously, and they have to put it there because it's the only thing anyone's been talking about with Major League Baseball since spring training started. Well, so. and the question becomes, are you just doing it for now because right, yeah. people I mean, are still adjusting to it, or is it part of the plan for the season? And I, there was a lot of this response yesterday that would say, well, it makes more sense now when mm-hmm. we're all still adjusting to the existence of the pitch clock. I would say that what I saw yesterday, there's no reason for it not to continue that way. Like, I would have I mean, no it's, issue. It, it looks a little wonky and, like... And like I, it only, to me, looks wonky because it's not the same... It's, it's not in the same, it's like, an, uh, it's, well, no, it's region. An elect- yeah. I would say more like the if if it was the same font and everything mm. as the rest of the score bug and it was counting down. Because it was an electronic clock that we saw, it just looked different than the score bug. Oh, so it's not like a feed from a camera in the No, it's stadium. exactly what it is. Okay. What I'm saying, right. I'm saying, like, if if they... We, we You're saying it looks wonky. Yeah. Which, it, it which again, no, I don't really to care. To me, it looks no <laughs> wonkier than the play clock looks on a NFL broadcast. It's the same thing. The NFL yeah. broadcast is... For the most, no, actually, no. They've converted. Yeah, they, they've, yeah. they've made it yeah, so they've it's made it their so own it's TV's them. graphic, right? And, and by I the way, that, here, that also is part of the reason why the NFL will tell you don't like. In you're not looking live at what the play yeah. clock is. You're you're, you're starting your own yeah. play clock, and it doesn't. And that gets into a whole like that. That's I think anybody who's worked broadcast knows there are places where. Like, you're working a broadcast, and you're very aware that the clock that you see on the screen is not the exact same as the clock that's in the arena or in the stadium. And so as a broadcaster, you have to try to look for that clock and read that clock instead of reading the clock that's on the screen. Very difficult when you're doing a remote broadcast. <laughs> very tough to do. You almost don't want to, like, 1,000%. There was a play. There's about I, three minutes left. I, well, I was doing that Temple <laughs> Princeton women's lacrosse game, and there was a play where the, the shot clock was expired uh. for maybe three seconds. On my screen, and they counted a goal, and I was like, and I had immediately before I said like, no way, that was after the clock. I'd immediately be like, oh, we probably had the clock wrong. We probably yeah. that was the issue. Is that our that clock does yeah that that sounds extremely tough. Um, <laughs> I just I I can't I, to me, it's not near. It, there's nothing about it that was distracting. I wasn't staring at it in any way. It was there. It was an interesting reference. I would I can't fathom and based on the response to Paul's tweet I I don't think any human would be bothered by it if it stays for mass and even into the season. Um this is part of life now and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. The other thing I didn't get a chance to talk about that I just wanted to cover really quickly because I sent it out in a tweet last Friday. Um college football is desperate to shorten games. And I brought up a few times that College football is now officially the longest sport that exists. The games are four hours. They're four-hour games. Maybe not at D3, but well, like at the highest level, they're four hours. This story yeah. is just hilarious to the, me, the fact that they're trying to do this, because this is only a Division One problem because of TV. Correct. correct. It is not the game. It so, is the TV making it so long. I'll read this directly from the NCAA website. The NCAA Football Rules Committee has proposed several timing rules changes intended to continue the effort to control the flow of the game and encourage more consistent game management. Uh, The committee anticipates the adjustments, which were finalized Friday in Indianapolis, would modestly reduce the number of plays in the game, something the committee will study closely during the 2023 season. If approved by the NCAA Playing Rules Oversight Panel on April 20th, the game clock will continue to run when a first down is gained. 
Currently, the game clock stops when a first down is gained, and the clock restarts when the offense is awarded a first down. The game clock will continue to be stopped when a first down is gained during the last two minutes of either half. So their argument is, what you love about the rule is that it presents greater opportunities for two-minute drives. Well, we're not going to take that away. At the end of the game, you're still going to have the first down stop the clock in order to give you a better chance of seeing a two-minute drive. We just want it to be that, like, when there's eight minutes left in the quarter, the clock keeps moving. And, of course, it's no different than the NFL does that, right? The NFL does not stop the clock for a first down. So you would argue it actually gets them more on par. The issue that I have with it is very simple. Unlike baseball, where there's 162 games a year, football, our most beloved sport in this country, we only get a fixed number of games every year. In the NFL, of course, it's 17. In college football, you know, depending, depending on the level, yeah. it's, it's you know 12 regular season games in major college football, maybe a conference championship for a 13th, and then whatever you do, a bowl game, playoffs, whatever that would be. We only get so many games. We only get one game a week. It's the thing we look forward to all week. Why do you think we want less of it? Why? Who is telling you? The networks, probably. The networks want to be able to run more games, right? ESPN wants to be able to run a game at 12, another game at 3.30, another game at 7, another game at 10.30. They want to have it nice and clean and tidy. And if the games are going four hours, they can't do that. Now, they could say to the West Coast teams, congratulations, you're going to start playing at 11.30 now. It'll be 8.30 Pacific time. It's viable. It's a Saturday night. There's no reason why you couldn't do that. But the West Coast teams are already, like the Pac-12 already finds a lot of trouble. I don't know if that's uh, Vernon Davis calling in early, perhaps. The West Coast teams are already finding trouble. The Pac-12 is very unhappy with their TV package because they don't think they're getting enough exposure and that they're getting left out of playoff arguments. They're getting left out of all sorts of things because they have to play at late at night. So they wouldn't want this. You're pushing it back even later. The TV networks might be the ones that are forcing the change, but we're getting away from TV at some point in the coming years. TV's going away. We're going to be doing the streaming. That's how we're going to be watching games in the next 10 years. So why are we adjusting rules and getting less football for a service that frankly is not going to exist within a decade? It's just greedy. That's what it's just people in suits making the rules for the players. Like they're taking away from the players' time, but at the same time, not taking away from the advertising time in total. They're not going to take away right. from what's they're going not going to say, "Hey, we'll shave a minute of commercials yeah, off no. the game. We'll shave a minute of you know, whatever it is." The only thing we're going to shave away is your ability to, to have better stats and to make yourself look. And good the reason and- it works nice in the NFL is because it's hard to convince a team of grown men hey, we're going to run hurry up in the first and second quarter. It's not as hard to convince teenagers that. So really, this whole we're going to decrease the injuries, it doesn't really because now these coaches are just going to run hurry up in the first and second quarter because the clock is running anyways. So they're just going to run hurry up, and you're going to have more players getting hurt because the game is now the pace of the game I, is speeding up, and then you just have more injury time. Look, I don't think any of these. Uh, you got to tell me when we're ready. Just let me know. I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. Um, like, do I have time to take a break, or should I? Uh, no. We, let's, okay. All let's right. We'll up. stay here. Very good. Um, my point being, 
none of these rules to me are all that dramatic. There's nothing that's been suggested as the end of the world. The other things that were put into this were uh, you'd be prohibited from calling consecutive team timeouts. I believe that rule already exists in the NFL. Yeah, the whole ice the kicker thing. Right. You can't call back-to-back timeouts. Uh, penalties at the end of the first and third quarter would carry over and be enforced on the first play of the next quarter, which, of course, ends the untimed down that we got used to. Now, you still couldn't end a game. They're leaving it in. You couldn't end the game by committing a penalty and saying, well, the game's over. Sorry. They're still leaving the option for an untimed down at the end of the fourth quarter and at the end of the half. They're just taking away at the end of the first and third quarter. And, again, that alone doesn't sound all that – like, there is a question, why was there ever an untimed down to begin with? Like, why did that rule exist? It's not like these are drastic. I just think they're trying to solve the wrong problem. I love football. There's nothing that gives me more joy than watching football. Why would you want to give me less football? What what makes sense about that? I get it. The games are very long. They are. Nobody's debating that. College football games take four hours to play any longer. Good, I don't get another one until next Saturday. And Give me four hours. The solution is, within that four hours, let's not run the same six or 12 ads yes, the or, whole game. Or it's been brought up. You could trim halftime down. It's a longer yeah. halftime in college because you want to allow the bands to perform. Like That's something I that, did notice at the XFL game. The halftime was 10 minutes on the dot. And that, I think, is a better way of doing things. All right. Um, I just wanted to get that off my chest. And it was a pleasant distraction from talking about Lamar Jackson 24-7 around here. Now. We will get back into that, I promise. But in the meantime, uh, we've been friends with this guy for a long time, uh, have always appreciated our conversations with him, and he is full-fledged into his new career. He is very much an actor. You've seen him pop up all over the place on BET recently, and he has a new movie that's coming out on demand and in theaters this Friday, March 10th. It's called The Ritual Killer. It stars Cole Hauser from Yellowstone. Some guy you might have heard of named Morgan Freeman. And our next guest, he is Maryland football legend, NFL icon. He is our buddy Vernon Davis, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Vernon, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, dude. uh, Can you just tell me what it's like? Everything you've done in your life, all the guys you've been around, everything you've accomplished. When you walk into a room and you look over and there's Morgan Freeman, can you kind of take me through what that moment is like for you in your life? Yeah, I walk in and my legs start shaking. Yeah. And I start sweating. Like, dude, that's God, right? Like, that's the man that we treat as the voice of the Almighty in America. Yeah. And and he's a yeah. co-worker of yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, it is a little intimidating because uh, – you know, like you said, this is Morgan Freeman. This guy's done so many, so many things uh, in his career, and he's just—he's a legend. He's an icon. But it was a great opportunity, great opportunity to to learn from him and work with him, and to be able to say that we have a film together. It's pretty, uh, pretty spectacular. Dude, it's surreal, man. It's really surreal, Vernon. I mean, we've talked a few times with you about acting over the years. Can you take me back? Like, was was it always part of the plan? Like, when you were growing up, as much as we knew, you were a freakish athlete, a, a literal cyborg, as we described you. Um, did you always know, like, hey, this is going to be a part of my story? Or, or where did it come from exactly? No, no, no. I never planned to be an actor. Uh, if you told me 15, 12, you told me, like, 20 years ago that I would I would be an actor, I would have probably told you you were lying. It, it, was, it was just never part of my plan. Plan. My plan was to play football, be an artist, and as far as painting 
and things of that nature, but never to really do this. It just kind of happens. And, and that's what life is about. It's all about being unexpected. So I'm very grateful for uh, the opportunity, opportunities and experience that I've had throughout the years. Uh, it's incredible, man. Like it's it, like at some point, do you find yourself saying like, this is, this is who I am. Like, do you walk into a room now and say, I'm Vernon Davis. I'm an actor. Like, is, is that who you are at this point in your life? Yeah, I usually say that. I mean, if I meet somebody new, especially if they don't know me, then I get, uh, I usually say that I'm an, I'm an actor full time. That's what I spend most of my time, time doing, making music and, and act, uh, which are two totally different, to- totally, Two totally different things for me uh, in my life, but I love it. It's incredible, man. It's an incredible like path for you to be on. Tell me about The Ritual Killer. What do people need to know about this one? Yeah, The Ritual Killer is based on a true story uh, 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 taking place in South Africa. It's about a, a man who makes this concoction using harvesting body parts, and he's, he's selling it to people who want to be feel uh, more powerful. Um, people that want to be like him, and it's it's pretty it's pretty cool uh, for people to to kind of watch this and learn about this, especially if they they don't know. I didn't know, so playing a role in this film really taught me a lot, uh, showed me a lot, and and gives me some perspective on what's really going on out here in this world. I, so uh, that's what I have a chance to see. See, I'm really okay. I'm totally okay with this as a premise for a film, except for the words based on a real story. Like, everything about it, I'm like, oh, man, this sounds really, really fascinating. And then I think about the words based on a real story, and I say, I hate this. I hate the fact that those words are involved with this concept. <laughs> that is terrifying, I- man. Yeah, no, it really is, but it, it, it gives it gives us perspective. We, it teaches us things about what's going, what's actually going, really going on out here. This, I think it's uh, it's good for people to know um, that this is something that, that that's actually happening or happened. Man, man, again, the movie is called The Ritual Killer. It is available this Friday in theaters and on demand. Also stars Morgan Freeman, Peter Stormare, and Cole Hauser. Vernon Davis is with us right now here on GCR. Vernon, you know, as as you have your own production companies, do you start thinking about like your own projects that you want to make? Like, do you have like a big goal? Hey, ideally, now that I'm in this world, something I've always wanted to do, I've always yeah. wanted to play this person, I've always wanted to make a movie exploring this. Do you have like a big goal in front of you? Yeah, I plan to play um, play a, a certain character. For me, that's always been a, a big uh, a superhero. Okay. Uh, I've always wanted bro. I think that would be something really phenomenal. Well, but you, it's, it takes time. It takes you, time. You know, but there, like you know there is a market, I guess technically for a new Black Panther, right? Like, you know, at some point, I don't want to give any spoilers about how the the film ended this time, but like, you know, there 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 could be a market for that at some point in the future. Like, could you see yourself, you know, going that route? <laughs> I don't know about the black plant, the panther. Maybe I'd be the black lizard or something. I don't know. The black bird. <laughs> um, I mean, dude, shoot for the stars, right? Like, you got to go that route. Gotta, what? Invent something new. Come on, we got to do something new. I what about in, what about in Creed Four? You're the guy. Could you go twelve rounds with uh, Adonis Creed in Creed Four? Could you handle that? Oh, absolutely! I'll float like a butterfly, sting well, like a bee. I'll give I, up everything. I'll I, give 
followed me. I've seen you with your shirt off. You could definitely handle what Jonathan Majors did. Like I, you, you, the way you look still to this day, I have no doubt. It's been some time, but I have no doubt that still to this day, considering the genetic freak that we know you to be, you would have no problem being in that role. Oh yeah, I'll be ready to go. Hell I'll yeah, be ready man. to go. I love that. Hey, uh, Vernon, while we have, I just want to know if I could get, get some perspective from you. We're, of course, like right now in Baltimore, everybody's like, it's Lamar, 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 Lamar all the time. I'm wondering if you were on this team right now, like how obsessed you would be if you were a teammate, if you were Mark Andrews, right, who's the tight end in Baltimore, who's outstanding, like how much this would affect you, how invested you would be, and what your reaction would be if this played out and the Ravens ended up moving on from Lamar Jackson. I would probably be devastated because Lamar Jackson is super talented. He's everything you want in a quarterback. And as a teammate, I wouldn't want him to depart the team, especially if we had success and we were winning with him. But at the end of the day, it is a business, and he has to demand everything that he thinks he he deserves. Right. So I would be would be upset with him. I, I'd be more uh, with him and for him. And wanting nothing but the best for him. What What do you feel about the idea of fully guaranteed contracts? I'm sure that every player would say, "Hell yeah, I want fully guaranteed contracts. I want it to work that way." Like, I, I, do you feel like the time has come that this is not a fight the NFL can continue to fight anymore? That it's time to step up and do what literally every league, other league in sports does, despite the fact that their players, you know, don't nearly risk as much health wise as NFL players do. Yeah, if you look at the history of the game and the outcome of with some of these players, uh, everything that's going on, players committing suicide, players having all of these post-traumatic stress disorders. This game brings a lot. It impacts players a lot. They, they take risks. They sacrifice. They come out of this game different than when they went in the game. So with that being said, I think, these players deserve a guaranteed contract because of that, because they're, they're putting their life on the line. You know, they don't, they don't know. They're not aware of the, the outcome of what's going to happen to them after they're done with this game or how it's going to change their life. It's just, it's, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's due time. And these players are well-deserving of a guaranteed contract. I, I want to like the name Kurt flood is hallowed in the game of baseball, right? Because that that's how we got the free agency. If Lamar Jackson really does push this thing to say, I, I don't care. You can tag me all you want. I am going to push like hell and I'm not going to take a contract unless it's fully guaranteed. Would, would that, would he end up being treated by players with like a similar type of, of reverence for what he was willing to do in order to try to push this as far as he possibly could to help players moving forward? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it could be, I think it definitely could be a push. Uh, you know, I'm showing that I'm, I'm playing as devil, devil advocate. Devil's advocate is, is, is something that's, that I'm always uh, trying to play, but at the end of the day, it has to be, it has to be, uh, has to be agreed upon. By both parties, right, right, you know, correct. We can, we can want something, but what are we going to do to get it, and how are we going to get it? Just got to have the plan. The plan just has to be set, and and we just got to hope for the best. He is Vernon Davis, of course, Maryland football legend. The movie is The Ritual Killer. It is available in theaters and on demand this Friday. 
Um, Vernon, before we let you go, like, are, are, you know, I, obviously we continue to be excited. Another bowl win for Mike Loxley. Like, you, do you feel like we're at the edge, like that there's something big is happening here in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think there's been a shift. I think there is something big going to happen. Mike Loxley is a, is a wonderful coach, recruiter, wonderful person. I think everything that is coming his way, he deserves because he's, He's put the work in. You know, I've known him for many years since I was in high school. So I'm excited for him. I'm excited about what he's going to bring to the University of Maryland. And uh, the sky's the limit. Hey, Vernon Davis, it's always a pleasure, man. Congratulations on all the success you are finding now in your film career. Can't wait to see what's next for you. When it's a superhero film, uh, I'm going to be stoked. I will be first in line. Ritual Killer on Friday. Thanks for hopping on with us this morning, man. Oh, you're welcome. Vernon Davis, Maryland football legend, now uh, moving on to the world of film. Joining us here on GCR. Um, I got to make sure I have this right. It was brought up to me by Brian O'Hearn. Or Brian Hearn says, Lamar will only cost the non-exclusive tag number until about uh, mid-April. So they'd have another month plus before his cap number shoots to $45 million. That's the real hard deadline. So there's something to be said. Like what he's saying is, hey, you don't have to make those hard decisions yet. And I gotta get I gotta get all the details on that. We need to dive into that and make sure that we have that right, right? Because if I'm wrong about that, I'm wrong about that. I would still say, like, if you're making a trade, you need to have that money available to you when free agency opens. It's not just about the guys that you could lose. It's about having that money and knowing that money is available to you. If you're committed to he's going to play on the the franchise tag, well, then you can operate around that number. But there's no waiting until April 19th and saying, well, hey, that money doesn't hit until then, so you'd have to know what trade you're making on April 19th. You'd have to know now what that trade is to know exactly how much space you're going to have. What is the point of clearing all of this space? You'd still have to hold the lesser of the two tag numbers, thirty-five million, I think it is. It was thirty-two or thirty-five, 30, and somewhere in that yeah. range. Whatever, you still have to hold the difference. I'm not saying this in an eloquent way. It still doesn't make sense, even if you're saying, "Hey, you don't necessarily have to make all the hard decisions." Fine, but you can't clear the space that you would ultimately get for adding free agents either. You're holding space against your cap that you didn't need to hold. And those guys are going to sign immediately. So however you want to slice it, whatever the reasoning is, that to me becomes a hard date. You've got to make your decision by then. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. The decision that you need to make if you are still haven't signed up everywhere when it comes to sports betting you need to get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball betting's here. Bet as little as $20 with Caesars and get a $100 instant bonus bet credit along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball futures bets, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now for your shot at winning big. Come back in. Uh, we'll wrap up the day. We'll get tidbit and tubular to wind things down for a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. 
The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs like real estate sales. And the best part, funding is available for those who qualify. Real estate sales is a lucrative career that can provide a stable income and flexibility. With CCBC's real estate sales program, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in this exciting field. Call us at 443-840. 2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Real Estate Sales. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday. We've got some, uh, Charles, you got some breaking stuff from uh, Twitter as you've been monitoring today? Uh, yes, uh, Lamar Jackson has reposted something on his Instagram. Uh-oh. Uh, some, uh, something of a motivational quote that oh. he didn't write, oh, but uh, a fan account had wrote. Um, oh. Let them judge you. Let them mis- misunderstand you. Let them gossip about you. Their opinions aren't your problems. You stay kind, committed, 
love and free in your authenticity no matter what they do or say don't dare doubt your worth and the beauty of your truth just keep shining like you do okay so we've got that very cryptic say it's clear shine what's that you think it's clear that that means he's signing yeah sure (laughs) like sure i was i was hoping charles would say yeah it's like his instagram story and he's just like a video of him hanging out with eric DeCoster. that would be great if that was what it was but uh it doesn't uh, they're riding jet skis together oh man isn't that such a like weird thing to post right before you're uh, supposedly about to meet with the gm well, let them, is let he supposedly let... about to meet with the GM? Was that thought... yesterday? Or yeah, I thought that... the word was that no. he's not meeting with or the GM. Or even after. Like, yeah, just very... <laughs> what if Eric DeCoste is like standing outside his house and he's got like a boombox and he's like playing playing a song? So here's what, window, I'll, what I'll give him is... To... It, it, this is what I said to begin with. If if he's sensing that people are mad at him because he won't meet with Eric DeCoste or he's not being responsive to the Ravens and he's saying internally, dude, I've told them what my number is. Right. They're wasting my time. Why am I going to get together with them to talk about their number when they know what my number is? I, I am, admittedly, I'm I'm big on this. Let's just not waste each other's time. Let's not... Y- you know where I am. I know where you are. There have been places that have said, like, hey, man, we'd like to... Uh, here, I'll, I'll be as forward as I can about it. I'm not going to tell the names, but I have had opportunities to go elsewhere and take full-time jobs. As much as I like doing this, and as much as I like, you know, these guys, there's always a number. Every It's a, the, it's a million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Every, everybody's got a price. There's always a number. There's a number by which you can have me. But it's got to be that number. And if you don't have that number, let's not bother. Let's not waste each other's time. Let's not... Hey, why don't we get together again next week and talk about this? Dude, you know, once we got the, once you got the number, then call me and then we can talk about it. But let's not waste each other's time. Like, and these aren't even real numbers. <laughs> I'm available to be had for, you don't know. $25? Like. I mean, I don't want to put all my business out there. <laughs> these are real numbers, of course, they're talking about. Like, I can understand if Lamar's frustrated because he's seen people say, well, Lamar won't even meet with him. He's not taking this seriously. And Lamar's sitting there saying, like, you can feel however you want to feel. My position is very clear. I've got a number. That's it. You want to come figure that number out? Let's talk about it. But if you're not going to do that, then why are we wasting each other's time? What are we doing here? I'm not... You keep thinking that maybe a deadline will make me change my mind. I'm telling you very clearly. I don't care about your deadlines. They don't matter to me. This is it. This is what I'm willing to play, play for. Well, I, but, but, you know, can't you talk to us about it? No. No. I've given you your answer. That's the answer. I'm not here for... I, I, I don't need my agent's fee. I don't care about the things that you care about. I've also said all along, I'd like to know what Lamar's insurance situation, because it does change a lot of how this um, operates. Um, like, I, if Lamar is insured for a long-term deal, then he can do this thing. He can do the play two years on the franchise tag and not care about any of this stuff. If he's not then I would say 
at some point, you're taking risks that are unnecessary. I understand the argument will be made is, look, Dak Prescott got hurt on franchise tag and still got the contract that he wanted. It can be done. But there is an unnecessary risk to... There is an awful lot of money that could be on the table, historic money, that you could potentially end up losing should the one thing go wrong, even if it's completely out of your control. You're in a car accident tomorrow, something like that. God forbid. I want to make that abundantly clear. I'm... But if he's insured for a long-term contract, then the hell does he care? None of these deadlines mean anything to him. Just give me the tag. Let's go. I'm, I'm telling you, it's this or nothing. And I haven't been able to get that direct information. Um, I, I, I'm not... I, I, I need to know that. I need to know that because it is relevant in this, but I, unfortunately their camp is very difficult to get those types of things from because if I had that, it would go a long way for me to say, if he was insured for a long time, if he was insured for exactly the type of deal he's looking for, then there's essentially no reason for him to not do the play on two tags and let's go to free agency and get as much money as possible. Especially considering he's he came in the league at a younger age. Like seven years to Lamar Jackson isn't seven years to somebody like Hendon Hooker's what, like 24 already as he's coming into the NFL? You know, like th- there are guys that could not do this. Hendon Hooker might be 25, something like He might be close to Stetson Bennett's age. He is 25, yes. He's already 25. Yep. Turned 25 in January. It's hilarious how we killed Stetson Bennett over that, and we never brought it up with Hendon Hooker, right? <laughs> like, it never came up in the Hendon Hooker conversation. The guy for Charleston, uh, his, eighth, oh, his yeah, seventh right? uh, college yeah, basketball yeah. season. Yeah. But didn't it, the, he was the guy that, like, I never seen hey, the eye eyelid. Yeah, the, oh, my I'd never God. seen that before. That yeah, story was insane. That's crazy. That is wild. Bolin, is that his name? Yeah, uh, yeah. Dalton Bolin. Man, he was playing nuts. pickup ball, and his that eyelid is, got ripped that off. Wow. That was that was the, that, that was the, that is really oh really gosh. wild. All right. Um, anyway, look, man, I don't want to keep doing this. I, we're gonna we're gonna do it again tomorrow. It's a, I would have liked to have gotten the just to know the difference, exclusive, non-exclusive today. That would yeah. have been nice. But uh, the only other news that just came out, uh, mm-hmm. not Lamar related. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Rodgers yeah. has been given permission to speak with the Jets. Okay. I mean, that takes a team away from, like you said earlier, yeah, it's one, the amount of teams. Now, I don't think the Ravens would have ever wanted to have dealt within the AFC, for what it's worth. Like, I, I think they would have tried to stay away from Lamar Jackson going if, to the AFC. If there was a team in the AFC, could it potentially be the Colts since they have a top four pick? Yeah. I mean, it, look, it could be any team in yeah. the AFC. I guess Texans, too. But I just don't think that they want – I think if they're ultimately going to trade Lamar Jackson, they want him out of the mm-hmm. AFC. Mm-hmm. It just makes your life more difficult. Like, not only are you losing Lamar Jackson, now that's one more quarterback that you have to beat every year and what's already a murderer's row of quarterbacks in the AFC. I, I think they would be hell-bent on finding that deal from a, an NFC team and not from an AFC team, if possible. Look, if that's the only team that's offering you the deal, it's the only team that's offering you the deal. Um, but I think that they would do everything in their power to prevent it from being an AFC team. That one, if it ends up being that Aaron Rodgers becomes a Jet, it's not quite as significant. All right, let's get a uh, tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by, this one will be brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. 
The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, I liked uh, our conversation earlier talking about uh, the great postseason runs by quarterbacks, Uh, so I wanted to go over and see if you guys could name the top nine quarterbacks that played uh, had a postseason without throwing an interception uh, and most touchdown passes without an interception. So uh, they threw at least eight touchdown passes. There are nine guys that threw at least eight without this, throwing an interception in the playoffs. This doesn't count. Like They didn't have to be a Super Bowl winner. No, they did not have to be a Super Bowl winner. They all did play in a conference Say championship. Say it one more time. Say it. Eight. There are eight. Nine. Sorry. Nine guys. They all threw at least nine touchdown passes. And I want to see if you can name uh, who who these nine are that threw at least eight touchdown passes without an interception. Without Well, we know that two of them are Joe Montana and Joe Flacco. That is correct. There are two more guys that threw 11 touchdowns. They did have an interception, though. Uh, Kurt Warner in 2008 and Pat Mahomes last year in 21. Um, so there's six more guys on this list. There are seven more. Seven more guys. That's nine guys. They're throwing at least eight touchdowns. Without an interception. Without an interception. In a single playoffs. Yep. Um... Nick Foles because he had two uh, like blowouts against the Vikings and not Nick Foles. Patriots. So the problem is, I just who would remember who threw interceptions and who didn't throw interceptions? Yeah, so yeah. I can't. I'm just we're, all these are just gonna be spitballing. Uh, Steve Young. Steve Young is on the list in 1994. Nine touchdowns to zero interceptions. Aaron Rodgers. Not Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's the like a, a lot of uh, these guys. Russell Wilson. Uh, not Russell Wilson. I'll I'll say I don't think it's Ben Roethlisberger. He threw a lot of picks, but Ben Roethlisberger, not Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think it's Brett Favre. He threw a lot of picks. Yeah, not Brett Favre. Brett Favre had eight in 1995. But let me see how many he had that year. Uh, I lost his name. Troy Troy Aikman. Uh, sorry, clicked out of it. Uh, yes, Troy Aikman, 1992. Eight touchdowns. Matt Stafford. Matt I don't remember Stafford, if he threw a pick. Uh, I he, couldn't tell you. It is, it, he did throw a pick. Okay. He is on that list. Uh, he had nine in 2000, well, yeah, last year. Drew Brees. But he did throw a pick. Uh, Drew Brees is on this list in 2009. Eight touchdowns to zero interceptions. Phillip Rivers? Not Phillip Rivers. Peyton Manning? Not Peyton Manning. I mean, that's not, yeah. that's not, again, one interception is yeah. not hard to throw. None of these are surprising. Like It's one interception that we're talking about. Patrick Mahomes threw an interception, and he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Eli Manning. Uh, not Eli Manning. Jim Kelly. Not Jim Kelly. Dan Marino, who never won a Super Bowl. Not Dan Marino. John Elway. Threw some interceptions. Uh, not Elway. Roger Staubach. Not Roger Staubach. Uh, we got Ken Stabler. Not Ken Stabler. Jim Plunkett. Not Jim Plunkett. We got a... Uh, We're fine. Chill. What was the team you were about to say? I can't. Well, Glenn doesn't want it. Joe no. Namath. Not Joe Namath. John Unitas. Were you going to say the Jaguars? Too far back. Too far back. No, it's not going to say Jack. I was thinking Blake Bortles. I feel like it's Go just like it. random. Just, not Blake Bortles. Yeah. Like. Uh, Brad Johnson. Not Brad Johnson. Brett Favre. Not I already Brett guessed Favre, Brett Favre. Yeah. Fran Tarkentan. No. Alex Smith. Not Alex Smith. Colin Kaepernick. Not Colin Kaepernick. Um, Rich Gannon. Not Rich Gannon. Culpepper. First guy on this list I uh, did it in the 80s. Okay. okay. Doug Williams. Not Doug Williams. Joe Theismann. Not Joe Theismann. Mark Rippon. Not Mark Rippon. Dan Fouts. Not Dan Donovan McNabb. Can I give you the team yet? Jalen Hurts. Not Jalen Hurts. Bernie Kosar. Not Bernie Kosar. Neil O'Donnell. No. <laughs> Joe Burrow. Not Joe Burrow. He's not on the list. 
the Ken Anderson. Not Ken Anderson. The Giants quarterback. Hate you. 1986. 86 would have been Sims. Yeah, right. Phil Sims. Phil Sims. Eight touchdowns in 1986. You've got three more. Jeff Hostetler. No, these guys are all uh, very recent. They're very recent. McMahon. Jim McMahon. Not, it's no. not very recent. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We're still he did in say the 80s. very recent. <laughs> Within the last in the six. Josh postseasons. Allen. Josh Allen last year in 21. In only two games, uh, the uh, the divisional round in the conference championship, he threw okay. nine touchdowns. Oh, they, they had, an I don't remember there was a pretty big game. Yeah. Um. Joe Burrow. Not Joe Burrow. Yes, Joe Burrow. Uh, very recent. Very recent. You say very. Oh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Why the hell have we not yeah. guessed Tom Brady <laughs> in 2017? Well, Tom Brady. I, I didn't because I mean I always thought there was maybe a pr- pick sprinkled in there. And when there's there. one more on the list. Yes, one more. Just look down. I'm like, how have I not guessed? The guy that Tom Brady's beaten. Oh, Matt, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Okay. Nine touchdowns in 2016. All right. Very good. Very good. No interception. That was that was a that was a labor. That was a labor. All right. Uh, hey, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, look, ga- gambling can be fun. Just you got to set a limit. You got to stay within it. it. But if you or a loved one, someone you know, is dealing with a gambling problem. What I would encourage you to do is call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Tubular brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. There it is. Gunnar Henderson's on the cover. A lot of uh, We meet all the uh, lacrosse players in the area. Great content inside this new print issue of PressBox. And as always, it's free. Go get it right now, your neighborhood Royal Farms. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. Um, a couple of local lacrosse uh, games, ESPN Plus for Virginia and Hopkins at 4, and then Flow Sports for UMBC and Delaware at 7. Mount St. Mary's takes on Canisius at 5 in the MAC tournament. That's on ESPN Plus. Um, a Twins radio broadcast available through MLB.tv if you're subscribed for spring training today. Grayson Rodriguez and Kenta Maeda, the pitching matchup there. Um, they will play the CAA championship anyway tonight on CBS Sports Network, uh, Wilmington and Charleston at 7 o'clock. The NEC championship uh, at 7 on ESPN2, Fairleigh Dickinson and Merrimack in that Fair, one. Yeah, Fairleigh Dickinson is automatically in because Merrimack is That's right, he's still first. transitioning, yeah. yes. Summit League Championship, uh, Oral Roberts, and but that that I hate that. That, that rule that seems rule. to that always happened, that happened to work out this way. It happened to somebody last year. It was Bellarmine, I think. That's maybe or did they right? lose? I don't know. Bellarmine was somebody. Close. Somebody got in the. Sh- it's nonsense. Yeah. It's it's absolute nonsense. Summit League Championship, Oral Roberts and North Dakota State at nine o'clock on ESPN two, and the Horizon League Championship, Northern Kentucky and Cleveland State at seven on ESPN. Also irrelevant because both teams are going to get in, but WCC Championship, St. Mary's and Gonzaga at nine o'clock. Uh, the World Baseball Classic gets underway tonight. Oh, Netherlands yeah. and Cuba at eleven on FS one. MLB Network's got Blue Jays Pirates at one. NBC Sports Washington Wizards Pistons at seven. TNT Sixers T Wolves at seven thirty. Grizzlies Lakers at ten. ESPN Plus and Hulu for Sabres Islanders at seven thirty. Ducks Kraken at ten. Champions League this afternoon mm-hmm. on CBS. Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund at three o'clock. Paramount Plus for Benfica and Club Bruges at the same time. The USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at 8. Non-sports highlights. Uh, there's a season 2 premiere of That's My Jam, the uh, music trivia show with celebrities hosted by Jimmy Fallon. Jason Derulo is going to be on tonight. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, Anna Gasteyer. You know what highlights are? And Adam Driver will be on Jimmy Fallon. Adam Driver's got that like 65 movie with the dinosaurs, which... Oh, yeah, which I don't even know about that. You haven't seen them? No, I haven't. It looks, I've it seen looks, the trailers. It looks It looks ridiculous. Yeah. Capital I, interesting. Um, the F- Philo is going to have this show called Super Maximum Retro Show, which is, uh, it, the, it, it looks terrible. It looks like they're trying to be ridiculousness, and they're just going to be reacting to the Twitter feed of uh, the Super 70s like Twitter account, and it's hosted by uh, Chris Stefano. Doesn't look good. Okay. This is on Philo. And then on Why Peacock. Would, what is Philo? It's, it's like one of those, like, I guess free like TV thing or movie TV things, and then uh, who killed Robert Wan documentary on Peacock. Uh, this is like a murder mystery from it. This guy was killed in DC in 2006, and they still like have no clue uh, what like what happened the night that he was killed. And then of uh, History of the World Part Two, uh, another yeah. c- couple new episodes yeah. today. Okay, very good. Mm-hmm. And of course, follow Lamar Jackson's Twitter account yes. for all the latest inspirational quotes. But don't get duped by a fake Tom Pelissero. Don't whatever you. I do, thought this was funny though. Don't do that. The, this is no news, but uh, the account Lamar's blank check has tweeted. It's 3:57 p.m. EDC gets off the phone with Lamar. Scrolls to the league office number to call the franchise tag. His phone dies. The 4 p.m. deadline comes and goes. Lamar's a free agent. The Ravens become the league's dumpster fire. That was my nightmare last night. Hashtag Ravens flop. Okay. I mean. <laughs> I've definitely gone through the scenarios of like, what if it all just falls apart? Like, what if everything just falls apart? Yeah, just apart? If like, the what if his phone. Dies. What if five? No, 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 I mean more than that. Like the like, what if in the next five to ten years the Ravens don't have a quarterback? Like, and we're the Commanders. The, like, like I have had those feelings of late. Like, what if the thing that's been so great, like you're the Lions? That'd or, be a good thirty for thirty. You know, I, I, the fall from grace. You know, for, I, I don't think it would be a great. I don't think it would be a fun thirty for thirty at all. I, I don't think. Look, I'm not trying to be over dramatic about it. It's just that I, nobody in 1990, whatever, four realized what was about to happen to the franchise in Washington. Like nobody knew after they had just won a third Super Bowl in '91 what was to be coming. I get the Lions have never really been good enough ever to like it matter. It's the the Bears have flirted with relevancy a couple of times. Obviously, they made a Super Bowl with Brian Urlacher. They didn't have a quarterback, so they didn't have much of a chance. Like the Bears haven't Rex. had a a quarterback yeah. in the modern era. Like they have not had one ever, particularly since like Sid Luckman. Like they've keep disrespecting Rex Grossman. Yes, he did get to a Super Bowl. Jay You're Cutler right about that. Yes, they they've been like nobody knew. And again, it's weird because they've been they haven't been Washington. Yeah. Like, they haven't been that. Like, there hasn't been off the field. Correct. It, like, embarrassment. Embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Like, the laughing stock of football. But, like, at no point did the Bears, like, the, one of the standard Bear organizations for all of football, did any fan realize, like, we're not going to have a quarterback for 30 years. Like, we're, we're going to have a parade of guys that aren't good enough. Like, we're, we're going to have moments where it feels like we're relevant, but we're never actually going to be relevant. I'm not trying to be overdramatic about it, but this happens in football. That's the significance of the quarterback position. There's, there's not like the do- the, Sorry, the Jaguars have never been relevant enough to matter. The, the Dolphins certainly haven't had a franchise quarterback since Dan Marino. Texans, Texans are, I guess, they've never been relevant enough yeah. to matter. But like the, the Dolphins have been searching for that drug for the entire time. They have had moments of fleeting relevancy, like they had moments where they were relevant-ish. But post Dan Marino, and again, they didn't even win a Super Bowl with Dan Marino. Post Dan Marino, they've all felt this thing where, like, when's it going to be our turn? When are we going to matter that way? 
I've thought about that a ton during the course of this process. I hope that it's either Lamar Jackson or the next rock star quarterback, but it might not be. It might be that you are chasing a drug for a long, long time, man. It's tough. I mean, truth be told, the Vikings haven't had a franchise cap. I mean, they've had guys that were good. Dante Culpepper was really good for a short term. I guess that Dante Culpepper was probably the closest thing to a true franchise quarterback. Yeah. You know, like, because he, when he was good, he was really good. But it yeah. was a short term thing. It just didn't, it was fleeting. It didn't last for, they didn't get seven, eight, ten years out of it. You got four years, right? Three to four years. Since since I've been alive, closest has been obviously what we have now. Yeah, Kirk And Cousins. then what we had with Teddy Bridgewater. That's it. Brett Favre was there for a minute and yeah. was relevant. Second. But, but you, everyone knew that was You've been chasing the franchise. same thing. Since Fran Tarkenton, yeah. you've been chasing it. Dude, it, it can happen. It can just go away. This notion that you're guaranteed to just find the next guy. Well, hey, the Ravens found Joe Flacco, and then they found Lamar Jackson. Right. You have no idea. The Packers don't know if Jordan Love is going to work or not. They might. They're gonna. They got to take the chance because they used a first round pick on him. But they have no clue. Yeah, I look at like the Ravens and the Chargers in very similar paths where they kind of like had that franchise guy, and then they stumbled into the next one. And now they're kind of in this. Well, well, the Ravens are a little accelerated, where yeah. they've made the moves to like not ensure themselves that they can keep that franchise guy. Mm-hmm. And the Chargers are kind of following in those footsteps. We'll see well, how just, a year or two from now. Look, the Chargers yeah. have done a pretty good job of following quarterback with quarterback, right? Yeah. Like they went from from one quarterback that was really like the, they never made it work with Drew Brees, obviously. But like you know, th- their their history at the quarterback position, Dan Fouts, Drew Brees for a moment. To Philip Rivers and now Justin Herbert is pretty good, but there's nothing, no guarantee. There's nothing, nothing to show for it. Not, yeah. yeah, they well, that's a good point too, right? <laughs> like that's that's also relevant, but it's just the notion that you're just gonna get your next quarterback. Ask how many franchises have been saying that for the next for the last twenty to thirty years. How many teams have been desperately seeking that guy for decades, decades without finding him? It's no guarantee. All right, um, hey. What what do you got? No, no, no. Just, just funny way we're ending it going into uh hopefully, yeah, right. hopefully so hopefully he gets yeah. tagged, I guess. Yeah, I mean look, man, <laughs> like I'm not gonna waver on why it is that yeah. I would do whatever it takes. That's the way it goes. That fear is very real for me. Baseball betting is here. Get up to five second chance bets, up to fifty dollars each from point bet, along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at pressboxonline.com slash offers. Baseball futures bets, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now for your shot at winning big. Thanks today to Vernon Davis. Thanks to Cordell Woodland. Thanks also to Patrick Stevens. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. ...tabiglenclarkradio.com. Yeah, there you go. Big stuff and things day tomorrow. We'll, of course, be reacting to whatever the whatever the outcome is today. That will be the big priority tomorrow. Um, thanks to everybody of Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, CCBC, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Charles at oh god at Charles dot ap twenty eight on Instagram. Hell yeah! At Griffin yes, underscore Bass. Thanks to him on uh, Instagram. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go UMBC lacrosse. Go Hopkins lacrosse. Go Mount St Mary's basketball. Duke sucks.